Nobody ever had a thought that came to them from out of the blue. It came to them because of the work that goes on in their cranium command. I, I understand you're in charge of some uh, very creative things. I, I, I would think that would be terribly interesting. Right you are. Variety in there. Imaginations everywhere. We're pollinators. We're pollinators. After 30,000 years of time travel, here we are. A truly global community. Networked. Online. Poised to shape the future of Spaceship Earth. W Station. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World Information Station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 536. And I'm here once again not only to help you have a wonderful vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are, not just with the podcast, but with my videos, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, books, audio tour, blog, special events, group cruises, the WW Radio Nation, and so much more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. Adventure is out there, and sometimes it's found in places we've visited before, and others we could only dream of seeing. Thanks to Adventures by Disney, we were recently able to do both as members of our WW Radio family gathered together in Southern California for not just an adventure, but the making of some dreams coming true. And together, we experienced a very special, unique tour of classic Hollywood, one of Walt Disney's personal favorite restaurants, as well as his studio, private offices, Imagineering, the Jim Henson Studios, the Walt Disney Archives, Walt's actual apartment, on stage and backstage at Disneyland and Disney California Adventure Parks, and a continuing list of surprises. This week, we're going to share our recent trip and invite you to come on a future adventure with us. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win Disney Prize Package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have more information about other WW Radio upcoming events, meets of the month in Walt Disney World, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. How could you make a Disneyland trip even better? Whether you've been there one time or visit every year, I think like Walt Disney, it's always about trying to plus your experience. So what if I told you that on a very special trip to Disneyland, we together would get to experience things that most guests will never get to see, and that together we would also visit classic Hollywood, one of Walt Disney's personal favorite restaurants, as well as his studio, private offices, Imagineering, the Jim Henson Studios, the Walt Disney Archives, his actual apartment, and a continuing list of incredible destinations, each of which would be enhanced with a little bit of that extra Disney magic. Would that be a trip that maybe you'd like to uh, take? 
Well, a number of years ago we did, and it was my very first Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic Tour, and I loved it so much that I wanted to do it again. And just a few weeks ago, although it seems like ages, we did just that. A small group of WW Radio friends and extended family embarked on a true adventure of a lifetime. And this week, I want to share that experience with you and maybe, just maybe, encourage you to join us for a future WW Radio group trip adventure. And so I'd like to welcome some of those friends and adventurers to the virtual roundtable this week. Um, I can't, I'm not smart enough to do alphabetical order, but I will always do ladies first. I would love to welcome Beatrice and her husband, Dennis. <laughs> Brian, welcome to the show. Yay, hi hey, there. Hi. So just very quickly, this was your very first ever Adventures by Disney? Yes. Yeah. Excellent. What uh, a way to start. That's what awesome. a way to start. You're going to get your, it's easy to get hooked, isn't it? Absolutely. And a returning adventurer, Katie Coon. Hi, thanks for having me back. Thank you for being here. Your, uh, your very first, so I know your, your first Adventures by Disney with us was, I guess, was it last year? We were in China together. Yes, my first and only. And after that, I was hooked. With a little bit of Japan sprinkled on the, uh, <laughs> on the, we were both, we were talking about our, our Chandu, um, you have a necklace, I have a plush and our desire to go back. Um, of course, no adventures by Disney would be complete without the lovely, the incomparable Becky Mankin from MEI and Mouse Van Travel. You thought I was going to go somewhere else, but I did come back to you. I, I did. You just had that that sound in your voice, like you're trying to set me up for something, but it, it failed miserably. But that's okay. It's great to be back on the show, especially talking about something that was so such an amazing experience. And first time callers, long time listeners, and I believe both first time adventurers. Although I know one of you has been on cruises with us before. Anthony Flacco, welcome. Hi, Leo. Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone. And you are a first-time adventurer, but long-time cruiser, correct? First-time adventurer, uh, two-time cruiser, yes. Which, um, what, what ships and destinations were you on with us? I did the Star Wars cruise two years ago, and then did the Double Dip last year. I can't believe Star Wars was two years ago. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Uh, but first-time adventurer, first-time caller, um, long-time Nation member, David Potts. Hello, Lou. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? This was, and like I said, this was your very first adventure. This, this, this was a lot of firsts for you, correct? It was. It was my first time to Disneyland. It was my first adventure by Disney. It was my first time traveling with WW or WDW Radio. Excellent. And I'm sure, and spoiler, there, there were some definite first time moments, I think, that we all experienced before but before we actually get into the trip you know I, I i said that becky and i had done this i guess it was 2013 becky uh, was it 2013 somewhere it was around there earlier than that wasn't it 11 no it was, it was I, no i think it was 13 that we i don't know really? i think it was, it was 13 the, it, because it was the year of um d23 expo 
Yeah. We had we had we were we so intelligently backed up <laughs> the adventures by Disney to the start of D twenty three Expo. So we were jumping. It was in great between... for the guests. I mean, come on, face it, come yeah, on down. It's... You get to do the ABD and then jump right into to D twenty three. We literally were running from Disneyland um, over to the Anaheim Convention Center in order to um, to set up the booth, but. This was something we had done before. We loved it so much. The feedback was so great, and, and enough time had passed that I wanted to do it again. But for those of you who this is, this was your first, um, I still call it backstage magic. Why this one? What was it about this uh, ABD or this group trip that made you say this is the one that I wanted to do? Was it a, a, a the overall trip? Was it was there a single? Uh, experience you're looking forward to, and we'll sort of go on the same way that I introduce you. So, Dennis's, Katie, um, Anthony, and David. Well, for me, this was a lot of bucket list items drawn all together into one big trip. I had always wanted to see Walt's apartment. I had always wanted to see the studios. I'd always wanted to see the Hollywood sign. And after, personally, I worked in TV for 15 years, so I wanted to see how the show happens. So man's Chinese theater, all of that was like a whole lot of bucket list in one. So that was what drew me to it. And for me, it was, I'm a big history and, and behind the scenes thing. And for me, you know, seeing all the way they make make movies and the way they do things like the Muppet Muppets, you know, that was awesome watching them, you know, play with the Muppets and, and, you know, like the Chinese theater and, and all the test track and you know, all that stuff, you know, behind the scenes, it was, it was just incredible seeing what, how they actually do things. That, that's what I liked. And we'll certainly touch on, I think some of us, you go in with expectations of that thing that you're most looking forward to seeing. And then once you get there, it's eclipsed by something else that you experience. Katie, what about for you? I am the, a big fan of the park. So for me, it was about the about going to Imagineering and the archives and the studio, seeing the true Disney legacy. Anthony? Yeah, for me, it was uh, sort of the perfect storm, I guess. Uh, I had been to Disney World about 40 plus times, but I'd never been to Disneyland. So that uh, drew immediate interest to me. Uh, I was always uh, interested with uh, Disney history, uh, going back to some of those old uh, Disneyland TV shows with Walt in the parks, uh, showing uh, uh, his viewers what was coming next, and even the old uh, Reluctant Dragon movie with Robert Benchley going through the studios. So that was uh, intrigued me to see that up close and personal. And then you add in the WDW radio group, it was sort of a win-win-win situation for me. And was it so, I mean, you had obviously traveled um, in, you know, as a group before, which sometimes I think for some people might be uh, a little scary or intimidating, especially if you've never been to an event before. So, David, what about for you? Again, a lot of firsts for for you um, in terms of, you know, going as a group and, and what you were looking forward to. Well, like Anthony said, I was actually looking for a trip to Disneyland when this came up. And I was also wondering about, WDW Radio's like 10th anniversary party and when you announced this trip it was like the perfect storm of both of them so I, I just had to jump into that you know I think Becky for us having done a number and you've done I know like 712 adventures by Disney um, when they were <laughs> when they were when they were giving out pins for how many you know at the at the beginning for how many you've done 
they gave Becky like a stack. They had to like stack the pins because they didn't have numbers that were high enough for her. But I think there's a lot of reasons to not just go as a group, and we'll talk about the the group dynamic and how I think I, I think it does enhance the experience for everybody. But in terms of Adventures by Disney itself, and I think, Katie, we saw this, especially in a place like going to China, I think having the guides and the service, um, you know, them being cast members and the accommodations and the VIP access and the special events and so much that is included. And I think to a certain degree, the fact that all of the stress and the worry and the hassle is taken away, not to mention all the things that, like I said, are sort of plussed because you're doing it as an ABD. Mm-hmm. Part of the uh, huge benefit of an Adventures by Disney is the fact that you're pretty much traveling with two concierges with you at all times. You have like 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have two people there to take care of anything that's that's an inconvenience in your vacation. So they are moving the bags around for you. I mean, the moment that we got to the hotel, we got a tag for our bags. We put the bags um, out for that first day for to change to the next hotel. We don't even have to touch them or move them. Uh, if you needed a dining reservation, they were there to help you with that. Uh, on other adventures we've had in the past, and especially China's a great example of one, um, having them around in an unfamiliar environment is such a blessing because when you don't speak the language and you're trying to find the nearest bathroom, it really is kind of a, a benefit to have people around that know where we are and where we're going and how to maximize your time in the locations. And same happens for Disneyland and and familiar locations because you do get access. You would never get just going there as a regular guest. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we'll touch on in terms of what makes an adventures by Disney special. And as well as some of the things that we were able to do because this group was just WDW radio friends and family, there was a lot of, extra extra magic that was put on top that i think for us you know knowing some of the things that are going to happen that the guests don't know is part of the fun for us you know there's there's this level of expectation in terms of what's in your guidebook and what the website says and what we talk about but it's those things that we are able to do and you have you and your team have done an amazing job of being able to enhance the experience and do things that regular adventures by Disney guests don't get to do. And and we were sort of talking kind of pregame before we were recording. It ended up becoming difficult sometimes to remember what you did the day before, because as the days were going on and you're getting hit with all these different surprises, it was just one thing after another. And I'm so happy I took as many pictures as I, as I did because I was forgetting some of the things that we encountered all the way. But let's sort of just let's kind of quickly go through a day by day chronology of the our, our week long adventure. Becky, we had actually gotten in a day early. Um, we had checked in. And so, again, one of the things, too, that I love is the accommodations when you do an Adventures by Disney. So we stayed at the um the Lowe's Hollywood Hotel, which is right next to Hollywood and Highland. We had a chance to sort of go out and explore a little bit um, the Walk of Fame. We ate at Mel's Diner, which is just sort of that Hollywood touristy thing to do. But that that first day, you arrive in L.A., you check into the Hollywood Hotel. Can I just 
throw something in there really fast sure. before you even check in adventures by disney is providing a transfer for you from the airport to the the location so when you get off the plane and you're heading to baggage claim there's somebody standing there with a sign with your name on it or an adventures by disney tag so there's somebody right there right away to start taking away the stress they're gonna uh, pick up your bags for you take it to the car load the bags load you and then you don't even have to worry about getting to the hotel i loved it i felt like becky Mankin when i got to the hotel wow. when i there was a little guy with a little <laughs> sign i was like wow i feel so special um but we do we, we so we a lot of us met even before sort of that early welcome dinner we had an area to check in and meet our guides and becky Again, one of the guides we had specifically asked for because we have had Michael on multiple adventures in the past. You know, all the guides are amazing. He is, like, exceptional. And Lori certainly um, certainly was was a great compliment to him um, as great well. Team. Yeah. They were so entertaining. And between the two of them, they knew everything there was to know between Hollywood and Disneyland. And having that much knowledge and that much entertainment in front of you uh, was, was a whole attraction in itself. But I think it, it was when we were checking in, even though people were coming in at different times, a lot of people met um, each other for the first time there. And one of the things I found that I was doing was stepping back a lot just to sort of watch the dynamic and the interaction. So anybody who wants to jump in, when you were going in to check in with the guide and get your packet and, and some of the little surprises that they had for you, was there excitement? Was there nervousness? Especially, you know, Anthony and David, you guys were so, kind of traveling solo. Um, was there, what was sort of that feeling when you were first going to check in and starting to meet some of the other adventurers? Yeah, for me, there was a great deal of uh, nervousness, but also a great deal of anticipation uh, for what, what for what the week was uh, about to bring. Um, so, um, yeah, it, it was definitely... Um, something that I'll, I'll never forget and uh, definitely throughout the week made a lot of new friends for sure. Well, and th that first dinner, so we have dinner together at, at the Lowe's Hollywood hotel. And I think they do a great job of helping everybody kind of break that ice a little bit um, and meet one another. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I really like is every single day and every single night setting out exactly what that next day was going to look like. So you knew exactly not just where and when to go, but what to expect. So maybe we should just do that. We should just sort of dive into that second day because that's really when things um, kind of kicked off. And I know I, not just because of the time change, I woke up very early, even though I had done this before, with a little bit of that nervous excitement and sort of Christmas morning anticipation because we had a sort of a private excursion out into Hollywood where we got to see the TC TLC uh, Chinese Theater uh, Hollywood Boulevard and the Walk of Fame. So anybody wants to jump in, talk to me a little bit about that experience, getting to see not just where the Oscars are filmed, but the very interesting Walk of Fame and that a peek, not just inside, but sort of a peek, a little bit sort of kind of behind the scenes at the famous Chinese theater. Well, for me, uh, the Chinese theater was my one of my favorite parts of the whole trip. Um, seeing it, I'm a huge Mel Brooks fan and being able to see, you know, where Blazing Saddles and, you know, Harvey <laughs> and actually seeing it in the theater and them talking about it. It was how did you do a, such wonderful stunts with such yes. little feet? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, I actually um, I was trying to because I didn't see a ticket booth there. I actually tried to look to see, you know, OK, was this 
you know, did they use two sites because there wasn't a ticket booth anymore. So I actually went back and, and looked at all the, the buildings and everything. And, it, and they did. There was a ticket booth back when they taped it. But it was just so exciting to see some of the places and, and even the history of, you know, of Bob Hope and all the different stars that put their footprints and, and handprints there. Clint Eastwood and just so many stars that were there. It's just amazing to me. And all the celebrities on the Walk of Fame itself just walking around. We saw Spider-Man and Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse. I think it was maybe a Black Panther. Their accents were a little bit different, and they had a little bit of a funky smell to them. But I'm sure they were completely fully licensed and authorized by the Walt Disney Company. I'm sure. I actually loved uh, going down the red carpet steps and seeing what you never get to see on the actual Oscars, like where the you you just think that it's this beautiful place but when you look around and see stores that I have in my mall and realize it's actually a shopping mall instead of grand location that you imagine it was really fun to see the behind the scenes kind of stuff and the stories that they told about it because we would never have just known that walking by you really get a sense of some of that forget the movie magic some of the tv magic that goes into transforming an outdoor mall into what looks like a very opulent, very elegant um, Oscar thing, although Victoria's Secret is right behind, you know, and the the chimichurri stand is right behind some of the drapes the next time you watch the Oscars. The worst developed mall, it had won an award for uh, the The worst design. design, It's beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. And actually, Becky, we had a a lovely meal at um, Chooishi, the the Japanese restaurant, the night before, so, I mean, it, it's great, but it's just, it's, it just doesn't sort of fit where it is. Um, <laughs> From what you see on TV, as, a, as opposed to what you see when you're standing there, it, it definitely is polar opposite. Yeah. Anybody else, any thoughts either on the theater, the Walk of Fame? So was the Walk of Fame itself a little bit of a shock? You have this vision in your mind of what you think the Walk of Fame looks like, and then when you actually step foot on it, um, it it's a little bit different in reality. <laughs> Well, personally, I wasn't exactly expecting the Museum of Selfies or (laughs) (laughs) some of the other interesting attractions that are along the way, uh, including, of course, the people that want five bucks to take a picture with you as you walk around. Um, But just the the amount of um, of tourist trappiness that happens in one square block is kind of mind blowing. Yeah, it's um, I did see. Yeah. Definitely know when you're in the bubble and out. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> no, I, you I did see uh, Spider Man use some of Captain America's bad language words. <laughs> language. <laughs> it was interesting. <laughs> um, so we spent a little bit of time there and, and had the. What, what, it, again, it was nice having the guides take us through there. I actually uh, I had never been to the Chinese theater before when we did. The original adventures and Becky corrected me. It was actually it wasn't 2011. I can't believe seven years has gone by. We had gone over to the El Capitan Theater, so this was a new experience for me, and I, I got that sense of place and history. And you talk about an, an elegant, opulent theater. They they literally don't build them that way anymore. Just going in and being able to see the ceiling was wonderful for me. But yeah, the whole time, I was also thinking about what was coming up next. Because we were going to a place that I think for a lot of people was very much an attractor and a highlight. And the probably the first 
place other than getting a hug from the sweaty Spider-Man, the first place that we had an emotional response come out, and that was heading over to the Jim Henson Studios. I know for me, that was one of the big highlights. I knew a little bit of what to expect having been there before, but one of the nice things is not knowing what to expect. So somebody jump in and tell me about your anticipation and more importantly, your experience when we got to the Jim Henson Studios, which as we all know, was the original studios of Charlie Chaplin. So there's a lot of real Hollywood history beyond the Muppets and Henson that is attached to that location. Yeah, when you pull up to the studio gate, they actually have Kermit the Frog dressed up as Charlie Chaplin's tramp. And it's very cool to see those come together. Did anybody get, like, when you step off the bus and you step in there, you get that little bit of, like, butterfly in your stomach like being there and, and being excited about what you know what you don't know what you're going to see next yeah uh, walking into you know the when we went and saw the movie in that studio knowing that charlie chaplin was there you know watching his films and and the hensons and the amount of history there you know it's just it's amazing and then hearing the stu- the recording studios and all the artists that have done there you know mm-hmm. we are the world and you know jim morrison and all these different recording artists recording there is just absolutely amazing and just a quick aside so it's a very small it's a very very old and quaint studio we got to see some amazing things with muppets and puppets and met muppeteers and saw and and, and held emmys and oscars and what but without spoiling it I will tell you that the film that they show exclusively to Adventures by Disney groups is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's what I was looking forward to most after being, I think I've been there three times, to- four times now. And seeing that movie is like a highlight for me because it's just hilarious. It's not your, your grandfather's Sesame Street. No. <laughs> no. That has to end up on YouTube at some point. I love that. <laughs> So for any of you, what what was your highlight of your your time at the studios? I enjoyed the nostalgia of the old Charlie Chaplin stories. Uh, As much as I love Jim Henson and the Muppets, um, my dad got me into TV by, you know, his stories. And so going to the old Charlie Chaplin studios and then realizing his story and his background and, and the way his his studios and the way he took care of the children and the way he just seemed like such a great guy. And then it transformed into Jim Henson, whom we all know more about and love. And then the Muppets and all of our favorite Muppets and then the, going into the big conference room where they make all the big decisions and I, some of the photos and some of the stories and, and just seeing so much of that in person and knowing what was recorded there was just surreal to kind of know you're standing in that spot. Anybody else? I think going into the soundstage and seeing where, um, so and I, so my first sentimental moment when the the Muppeteer was talking about Bear in the Big Blue House, um, that's what my kids grew up on. Like, you know, I'm not going to sing the goodbye song, but in my head I'm singing the goodbye <laughs> song. Like, I love the fact that that was one of the things that happened there. We were able to, um, and, and one of the people um, as part of our group was able to work one of the puppets with the Muppeteer and and see how they're filmed and how they block it and how they stage it. And it, and it was just fascinating to watch. And it, unfortunately, she was supposed to be here tonight. She couldn't. But I was choked up 
watching how choked up Kristen was getting as she was able to to perform with the puppet itself. They picked the perfect person to do it. She yes, did such they, an amazing job at it. Yeah. You know? So and she she's dreamed of that. That was awesome. And it was also cool to see the the level of care the puppeteer gave to the uh, Muppet she was holding. It looked like she was uh, caring for a newborn child the way she was holding uh, that puppet. Yeah, it was a neat place just to sort of wander um, and look at the old buildings and again, just sort of um, think about the the history of and they were explaining some of the other people that have performed there and recorded there and wanted to work there because of the uh, the history but that wasn't the end of the day and i think becky this was sort of the first time we were sort of setting the stage for there were things on the itinerary that they knew was coming and there were some things that did that they did not know was coming and once we got on the bus that's when the first um well the the first the first surprise was when we eventually got there but one of the things I was excited about, not just because it was time for lunch, was on our on our previous adventure, we didn't go and visit the Tam O'Shanter, but we went off on our own. Three or four of us went off on our own one night because the Tam O'Shanter was one of Walt's personal favorite hangouts. That's where he would go and spend time with his staff, with his Imagineers. We talk about some of those places where um, a lot of that creativity and ideation probably happened and we sat in the booth that Walt sat in so now it's part of the adventures by Disney but again once we got there and stepped foot into a place that has its significance in in the history of Walt himself that was where one of those first surprises happened and I personally loved watching the faces of everybody as they came in as I realized who it was, it was standing there. And I, I got to tell you from what you were saying earlier, the hardest part for me is not giving away any secrets and keeping it all in and knowing the surprises are coming. But just like you, I was watching the faces of the people that, as they were walking in to see the wonderful little pixie that we all know is Margaret Carey standing there ready to greet all the guests for lunch. And it was so amazing to see everybody light up. And there was um, one gal who was there, who her dream was just to meet Margaret Carey. And she had no idea. She was crying. Was, she walked she in the door and started crying. crying. Yeah. So amazing. It, it really was a, a fantastic um, moment for me watching. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening who don't know, Margaret Carey was the model that was used for Tinkerbell in Peter Pan. I think now she's about 176 years old, but she's got the spunk and fire of like a 25-year-old. I don't think so. Maybe not 176, but she apologizes, Margaret. He apologizes. I'm saying that as a compliment because she doesn't look it and she certainly doesn't act it at all. You would never know because she is a little spitfire. So had anybody... um, either wanted to meet Margaret before, was excited to meet Margaret, or because she came in and was showing us some of her um, personal mementos and more importantly was sharing a lot of her personal stories. I loved hearing her 84 years of Hollywood. I mean, that's just those stories coming out of her mouth telling us about her being on Lassie. I mean, just all of the... Margaret Dave, uh, Mark Davis, Alice Davis, you know, all the amazing stories and people and being back in the studio with 
Walt and the Sherman brothers. And oh my gosh, I mean, she could go on and on and I could just listen to her for days. Anybody else? Katie, what was your thoughts when you came in and not just saw your plate of food, but more importantly, when you saw Margaret and got to hear some of her stories and um, you know, she gave a, um, a signed photo to everybody as well? Yeah, that was a fantastic surprise. The original Tinkerbell, the sassy, the spunky, the jealous, feisty Tinkerbell is one of my favorite characters. So to see the live model reference and to hear her stories was absolutely fantastic. And you're right. She was, she was something she was, and she was so gracious to all of us with her time and meeting and talking to us afterwards. She was really special. And it's funny because when she starts to talk about performing and doing some of the scene blocking and things like that, as she starts to go into some of her poses, you can see her poses sort of transform you know, posed onto Tinkerbell in the, in the animated film. So you can sort of make that connection from the live action reference model to her. Um, again, we had a wonderful meal there. We were able to see Walt's table where he would go now. Becky, they actually have a plaque on it um, uh, designating exactly what that table was. But this really was, when we got on the bus, everybody thought that we had the night to ourselves in Hollywood. But this was the first very, very much... Um, unexpected, unscheduled surprise and something that I personally had never done before and for me was one of those emotional touch points. Yeah, uh, you mean the next step? The next step. We We, we hopped on the bus and... And it, like you, I had never seen it either. And the, this is one of those little extra pieces that, um, that isn't typically added. We were transported from that wonderful lunch and that most magical moment with her up to Griffith Park so we could actually see the original merry-go-round that Walt got the inspiration for Disneyland uh, with his family. And seeing that for me was a bucket list item. It also took me back to my father in my childhood because I remember my father putting me on a, um, on a carousel to reach that little brass ring when I was a little girl. So it was, uh, it was very emotional and amazing to sit on a bench and watch everybody have fun on that carousel uh, to see the owner who came to greet us. And they actually opened it just for us that day because it was closed um, that day. So it was open only for us to tour it and to ride it uh, and to see his passion for the history of that merry-go-round and uh, to try to keep the spirit and the legacy of it alive. It was an incredible moment. I think that's his, his passion for the preservation of the legacy and being able to ride on the horses and see some of um, they, they had a couple of benches there as well. I sort of imagined myself, you know, as Walt watching my kids. But then I did. I got that little sort of, and I went live from here because I thought it was such a unique experience. Um, I got that little flutter in my chest when I, I rode on the horses. Anybody else thoughts on on Griffith Park? Like it's the like it didn't start with a mouse. It didn't. It started there at Griffith Park. It's such a notorious story that all of us Disney fans we know we know it started with Walt taking his daughters on Daddy's Day the park and watching them on the carousel and wishing wanting and thinking brainstorming about this place where families could enjoy time together i had been there before so it was great to go back but it was so much fun watching everyone's reactions and it is for us disney fans it's 
kind of sacred ground. And to actually be on that carousel that he took his daughters to and to see the bench with his picture as we're going around. Uh, yeah, I'm about yeah. to lose it right now because <laughs> actually going in a circle around and it's like Walt is sitting there watching you. And that was where it started. <laughs> like I, I get goosebumps thinking about that moment again because it was just so special. And I thought it was interesting that they actually had actual horse hair on the tails of each of the carousel horses. There's a level of detail I never knew about. Yeah, it's so well preserved and the horses are, they're so beautiful and intricately carved. Um, it really makes you sort of understand and appreciate, you know, again, its place in Disney history. But wait, the fun didn't stop there because we had lunch and we didn't have dessert. So they took us for dessert to the... Um, for an ice cream social at Ghirardelli right next to the El Capitan, which used to be the old, what was it called? It was called like the Disney ice cream shop. Fountain. The ice cream Sorry. fountain. It was called the ice cream fountain. So they brought us into a, a private room there and let us pick anything off the menu. Yay. Um, that took us forever just to decide. <laughs> just to decide. But so I'll tell you, you know what? So options. here's my one problem with, with that stop is that when they give you the menu, they put the calorie count next to all the items it's a it's bummer, California. man. It's a drag. I did not. I so I pretended it was like in Canadian you? and just and didn't do the math. Did it stop you? No, I, I mean, of course not. I got to, you know, <laughs> I had to talk about it on the show. So, of course, I need to have a gigantic milkshake. <laughs> oh, and it was so yummy. It was, <laughs> it was a good way to, to end the day full of surprises with a, a little bit of a satisfaction for your sweet tooth yeah i mean because i think most people probably had the the legendary prime rib at the tam o'shanter and this was a nice way to sort of wash that down um but this this second night was one that we were able to spend on your own in hollywood and i think this is actually i like this about the adventures by disney is it does give you time if there are things on your personal bucket list that you want to go do or see or eat in my case, you can do that. So was there some place for any or all of you that you wanted to go to or visit or eat at that night? And, and if so, where did you go? Well, I actually met up with uh, someone who I went to high school with uh, who uh, lives uh, out there and, and works out there. She's an actress and a producer. So uh, we met for dinner at Mel's. Nice. How and, and and I think Mel's is cool, man. It's like one of those places I think you need to check off your list when you go to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Anybody else go out to eat someplace or do something fun, different? We went back to the Chinese theater and then we also walked over to um, oh the which hotel like um what can I the Roosevelt. Oh, the Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yeah. Yes. yes, I wanted to see it. Yes, that was incredible and seeing the you know. And it helped that we just went to the Tower of Terror and, you know, talked <laughs> about that and all the, the, the history behind that and the, the themings there. So it was really nice to see that. Actually, my MEI agent suggested that because she knew that I'd love to see, like, some of the history stuff that comes back to Walt Disney World. So that was one of the things she suggested, and I just loved it. So that was fantastic. We, and then, um... of course, we stopped by the little rocker bar. I had to go see Cabo Wabo. Cabo Wabo. So the night before, the guitars on the wall and check it out, you know. The um, (laughs) the night before for our welcome dinner, we were at the top 
um, in a in a private dining space at the Lowe's. And I was looking out the window. I saw the Magic Castle, and off in the distance, I see this this what looks like a palace up on a hill. And I asked somebody there what it was, and they said, "Oh, that's Yamashiro. It's a Japanese." palace that was turned into a restaurant and he didn't have the word restaurant out of his mouth before I went on to open table to start making reservations so <laughs> Becky and I um, took an Uber up there just a couple minutes and it literally is a mountain palace it's this, it's this hilltop mansion that these brothers built to house their collection of all these Japanese treasures and it is a it, it looks like a palace from the Yamashiro province province near Kyoto it was built I think it was finished in like 1914 1915 it was this open courtyard Japanese garden it was Becky like I you could probably tell the glow and the smile that I had on my face just being there first of all it was spectacular the view there was a little shrine out front but you uh, you want to talk about just such an old Hollywood, relatively sort of off the beaten path of sort of being on Hollywood and Sunset Boulevard, but such a nice meal that we had there. Oh, absolutely. The the courtyard that you're talking about had an open, very traditional Japanese garden that was so peaceful sitting next to and listening to the water. And uh, it was open above us, but yet they had some coverings that were making just a little bit of noise as the wind was coming through down in the area. So it was such a nice, relaxing dinner until the end. <laughs> when all of a sudden, should I tell the story? Okay. <laughs> We're paying the bill. We've had a wonderful, relaxing meal. We've we've talked about the 42 things we're going to do now between now and 2025, and we're getting ready to leave. And all of a sudden, the lights dim down to this you know, romantic level. I'm like, okay, we need to get out of here fast. Well, we saw what we <laughs> saw. There was a projector yeah. that was projecting a blank screen. I'm like, oh, maybe they're going to show like some sort of Japanese some movie or there's like a little documentary about the the um, uh, about the restaurant. And like you said, as we're leaving. Things took a very different turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, uh, yep, they they fired up that good old um, projector and it was uh, Beetlejuice. Nice. <laughs> 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 Which <laughs> I had this I, wonderful I, Japanese dinner and it was just, it, it was very odd. It was, and I, I don't know if it was maybe a, because it was a Halloween season thing or something, but it was very sort of, disruptive from you know the <laughs> wonderful like peaceful japanese music and the koi pond and the zen garden and then it's you know which i would have loved to have stayed and watched because i dig that movie but i had eaten my 18th mochi by that point and was ready to um <laughs> to explode and we had an early day the next yes, day uh, because i think for a lot of people day three was something that was was physically or, or mentally circled on the map because this is the day that we visited not just Imagineering, but the Walt Disney Studios and the Walt Disney Archives. And this one was surprise after surprise after surprise. And just when you thought it couldn't get any better, it kept on getting better. So out of any of you, was this one of the things for you that was one of the reasons why this was the Adventures by Disney you wanted to take? I wanted to for see sure. the Sherman Brothers stage. Stage. So the studios for you is where you was where you wanted to go. Well, I definitely wanted to see the, the studio where Mary Poppins was, you know, just all of the 
the stories that you've heard from the days when Walt was there and, you know, the studios and there's his office up there, but, you know, I had no idea what was to come, you know, but just walking in the footsteps of where he spent so much time, that was a big deal to me. I mean, the, the Sherman brothers soundstage, a, that was a big deal to me, but, um, it got better. <laughs> Anybody else was a studio, something that was very much on. Cause again, they talked about the studios and seeing, you know, not just some of the, the memorabilia, but you know, this private tour that we were going to get and eventually um, get to some of the surprises, but seeing where the magic was made and those old buildings that we've seen in movies or on documentaries, um, even having seen it once before was something I was very much interested. You know, we talk about walking where Walt walked. That's very much what the studios was for me. Well, just to back up for a second. I mean, when we pulled into the lot, they were filming a TV show right, right there. I mean, you got to see the modern aspect of the studio right away. Yeah, they were filming an episode of of Blackish, and then we went to the commissary and, and ate at the com- the commissary for which you know sort of just again being in that space for me was neat. Um, and it was sort of that you know who's going to walk in, who's going to be here, uh, and seeing some of the old buildings was a thrill. But we we broke up into groups and got a guided tour of. Um, of the studios themselves. Anybody, any thoughts in terms of what you saw, what you were feeling as you were, um, as you were experiencing it? Uh, one of the things that I wanted to do was spend more time. Uh, <laughs> we, we, re- we didn't have enough time. Um, we went into that library where we held the, 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 you know, the Oscar and I'm looking around and I found on the bookshelves um, old binders that were photo albums uh, and it, and they were marked Walt with, with guests, Walt with, with dignitaries, Walt with, you know, and all these things. And I wanted to take them off the shelves and look at them. You know, I really wanted to spend all that time and look at all those things because these are things that probably nobody even looks at anymore, you know, which is a shame, you know, but it would have been really fun to do that. Right, because when, when we talk about the archives, and although we don't get to see the section that looks like and the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, that giant warehouse, we do go at to get to go into the Walt Disney archives. And even in the space we were, in addition to the hundreds and hundreds of books, there was some really neat memorabilia, not just from Disney, but there was the 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 gonk droid from the original Star Wars. There was Adventurers Club stuff in there. There was all, I mean, it was... It was sort of sensory overload, trying to look at things in the cases, on the shelves, um, and sort of even stuff on the walls and their connection. There was Rocketeer stuff. There was original um, Tiki stuff in there, um, animators desks. I mean, there was a lot to sort of take in just in that space. They had Walt Disney's uh, badge for Disneyland, employee number one. Anything else anybody see in the archives that sort of piqued their interest um, or, or was a highlight for them in the archives itself? Uh, there was a nice display on uh, Epcot's 35th anniversary. Uh, so it brought back uh, that classic 80s Epcot. I think they had one of the original uh, costumes worn by one of the cast members uh, in Future World. So that was cool to look at. I couldn't take photos fast enough while I, while I was in there. <laughs> I was just looking at mine to see if there's anything I missed. <laughs> it was neat. They had the uh, script from the Epcot film. 
in there. And that was very That's crazy. right. That's yeah, right. Out, out in the case, they had a lot of that um a lot of that early um a lot of that early Epcot uh, stuff in there. Uh, even as we were walking through some of the halls later on, um there was stuff from Lost. I was a huge mm-hmm. still am a huge Lost fan um and seeing some of those original props, but we're we're sort of dancing around, you know, Going to the studios is awesome. <laughs> going to archives is like the very first time, and even this time I went, you do. Like, this is sort of the holy grail of things to see because what I wouldn't give to sort of open up that door and walk into that warehouse and peek into some of those boxes. But this is where we got to do one of those things that no other group gets to do. And I don't think anybody had known ahead of time what was coming this is something that was new for me as well, and that was being able to go and see and spend time and get a guided tour of Walt Disney's offices at the studios. And it's offices plural because he had a personal office, and then he sort of had a, a business office as well. Um, give me some thoughts. So, uh, Katie, I see you smiling ear to ear when I mentioned Walt's <laughs> office. This was something that I hoped Beyond Hopes would somehow be included in our tour, and I was ecstatic when it came true. It's something we've all wanted to see. Wanted to see. We've seen photos, but to get the tour of Suite 3H with, with the intro video and then go into both offices, I think a lot of us were speechless, especially when you're in Walt's office and there's the piano, the piano that we've heard Richard Sherman talk about playing for Walt on Friday afternoons. And it was beautifully restored. We had fantastic guides that explained things in the office, but there was a a lot of emotion and just thinking about the things that happened, things that were created in those offices. it, It was overwhelming. Anybody else, your thoughts or, or your feelings as you as we were spending some time? Because we, we were able to spend a lot of time in the offices, too. This is one of the ones that was a big bucket list for me because I had never been in there as well. And for me, hearing the story, and I, I know the story, but then to hear it and then actually walk in and look at it, um, the story being that after Walt had passed, the door was closed, and then Dave Smith was the first one to open the door to archive and catalog and record where everything was and how everything was placed. And then walking in the door and seeing exactly as it was uh, when he opened the door for that very first time, it was a very mixed bag of emotions because it was very joyful to be there to witness this, um, but yet very sad, but yet very respectful. And I think uh, for the first, you know, five minutes into the first office, I don't think any of us even wanted mm-hmm. to breathe, let alone talk. Um, it, it was so, uh, I, I still can't find the the one word that would ex- explain the emotion behind it, but there was so, so much emotion to, to see the offices and to just close your eyes and, and you could almost feel like if you open them again, you could see him standing there or sitting behind his desk. It, it was amazing. Yeah, there was a, a a silent reverence. You know, it, it was like walking into church, like you were being very quiet. And I think we were sort of overwhelmed with not just emotion, but trying to take it all in because I think it's one thing to see pictures or 
you know, to see a, a recreation of his office on, you know, the old Sunday night specials when, when Uncle Walt would take you to Disneyland. But to know that this is exactly so much so to the point of not just where things were placed on his desk, but the order and the angle of the books on the shelves, where everything was on tables. Like I was taking in as much on a macro level as I could as on a on a micro level as much as a macro level because I was looking to see his personal effects. Like what did Walt keep in there that was personal and special to him? So there were little figurines. There was obviously pictures of his kids. There was the stacks of some of the manuscripts and plans and scripts on one of the side tables. There was that wooden, and I don't know why I was fascinated by that that wooden doll of Pinocchio that sat on the desk right behind him. Some of the framed pictures of, of people that were, were not family. Um, there was a, a photo, I couldn't read a lot of it, but there was, it looked like it was a, a cardinal, like, like a priest cardinal um, that had signed something to Walt back from the early 60s. So I was wondering, you know, I was imagining Walt in having to choose, you know, why we put what we put in our offices, why why some of those things were special to him. And then when you look at those desks and you see his personal effects, um, you know, forget walking where Walt walked. Like, this is where Walt worked. This is where he spent his time. Like, I'm like, come on, Walt, like, give me some of that good juju, man. I want to, like, suck in all the, like, <laughs> suck in everything that I could from it. Um but it was like this is where he spent his spent his time. This is where the ideation really took place. And again, there there were the two offices. There was a private office, and there was a working office that that looked and felt akin, but were also very different in terms of the decor. His private office had a couch. It had the piano, but the working office had a little kitchenette, and you know. I'm sure Walt and some of his pals, you know, may have taken in a, a coffee or a cocktail or six while they were in there. But, you know, even like the picture of Walt in there making a salad or making whatever it was, looking very relaxed um, and some of the, the effects that he had in there as well. I found myself spending maybe an inordinate amount of time just wanting to kind of of take that room in this was a much more um if i when i think back this was a much more profound experience for me than i thought it would be when becky and i were first talking about it part of where my mind went was some of the documentaries and movies that i had seen and i'm imagining him talking to pl travers about mary poppins and you know i'm imagining you know the secretary coming in and picturing where her office is i mean just compared to where his was. I mean, just the walk that she made and the cough that you could hear coming down the hall. And, you know, I'm in those halls. It was just, it was a moment that took my brain to like explosion levels, (laughs) you know, with all of the different stories and things that I've heard over the years and researched. And and I was standing there and looking out the windows that he looked and the mountains of, you know, California just, every inch of it. And it, it didn't help 
my heart right there to see Christopher Robin outside, which is, you know, I'm, I'm the big kid that grew up and loved Winnie the Pooh. And like, (laughs) I didn't grow up. I'm not sure about the growing up part, but I know you love Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) But to look out those windows and see the studio there and, and to imagine all of those things of the walk that she made the secretary to bring dignitaries into him. And it was just a moment that you can't, I still get goosebumps thinking about it and I'm, you know, trying not to cry right now because it took us to all of those days and those memories and the stories and the feed the birds and the, you know, just imagining the songs coming out of that piano. All it was missing was Richard Sherman sitting down and playing. For yeah. Us. So that, that would have been, that would have take, take, taken us all out at that point. There were a couple of things that struck me. So one was, if you remember in his working office, his desk was very low. Right. And because the two desks that the two chairs that faced it was it's so they can sort of get down and lay plans down and sort of work hard. But on three corners of this desk were ashtrays. And I'm like, yeah. come on, man, if you just want to, like, cut out this thing, a little bit more chili, a little bit less cigarettes. But it was also the phone. Like, I remember I don't know why, you know, not just because it was a rotary phone and most of the people on the tour probably didn't know what that thing was, but I imagined Walt sitting back in his chair, like on that phone and some of the the conversations that had probably taken place. Like I really tried to envision Walt sitting in there and and what, what a day, what a typical day in, in that, in those offices were like, was like for him. And as I was looking at it, I was taking pictures. Well, that's another thing. They allowed us to take pictures. And I, I was not anticipating that myself. So it was a little bit of extra magic thrown at me when I knew what was coming. But I tried to take it in as much as I could, but I knew I wouldn't remember it. So I snapped as many pictures of, of as many things as possible. And and as you were um, entranced by some of the things in the room, so was I, especially like the models of the planes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, I was very uh, um, uh, enthralled with those pieces. And then, of course, in the other uh, office where the map was still up on the wall and where he, they were working on the next project and uh, some of the things that were set up in front of it, uh, you could just, again, close your eyes and just imagine what a typical day was of people and meetings and people coming in and talking about what should go to this Florida project. And it was, uh, again, one of those things I will never, ever, ever forget. And I love seeing all the pictures of his family uh, on the walls too. You know, that family was, was as, as busy as he was, you know, a man should never neglect his family for business and, and family was still of paramount importance to him. You mentioned him, you know, with the, the cigarette ashtrays and, you know, stuff like that. It just reminded me of some of the training videos I saw when I worked at Disney. And one of the things that they would tell us, you know, was, uh, you know, back when I started at Disney, you couldn't have facial hair, you know, and they didn't want smoking. And it was, you know, it was always, you know, he, he was like the father, you know, he, he would, you know, say, you know, do as I say, not as I do, you know, but he, he, he instilled that, but he also was very firm and very fair in everything that he did too. So, you know, he was like the father, he was like the, the good uncle on both sides. So it's just amazing how, how well he did everything that he did do. Yeah. From, and from there, you know, we had gone out to the legends courtyard where all the handprints from the legends was, um, I, one of the things I love about the Legends Courtyard is not just getting a, a look at the Team Disney building, but there's a, a replica of the partner statue there, but it's not up on a high pedestal. It's one that you can get up on and touch and, and 
take photos with. It was blaringly wow, that gets really hot in the in the California sun. Um, <laughs> but I remember standing. I, I stood behind Mickey because I was feeling fluffy that day, and and Walt's. Um, Walt's bus was sort of full of cobwebs and I felt like I needed to sort of clean it off um, because I wanted it to to be clean. Um, and I don't know why. Like, I, I remembered that. I'm like, well, no, like, you know, this this is supposed to be neat and clean because because that's the way um, Walt would have wanted it. And again, it was from there that we had gone into the Frank Wells building um, to go and visit the archives um, before hopping back on the bus for the next leg of our journey, which was to head on down to Disneyland. Um, But did any of you feel as much time as we spent there, like you could have just spent all day at the archives and the studios, just sort of, oh, wait, 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 I almost forgot. We got to go shopping. (laughs) (laughs) How can I forget? We got to go shopping. And this for me, just from a, a personal perspective, this was, and there was multiple times on this trip that I sort of felt like the dad. And what I meant by that was, was when they told you that you were able to go shopping um, at the studios, everybody's eyes lit up and mentally they're going, do I have enough credit? Can I actually, because I know I'm going <laughs> to, watching you guys go into the studio store was like taking my kids to Toys R Us. Like on Christmas, like just go in and have at it because that's what it was. I mean, you guys were sort of just wide eyed and so happy just grabbing stuff off the shelves. Anybody get anything really cool or 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 blow their credit card out when they got to? (laughs) We got the Norman Rockwell, actually Mickey painting himself and it was Walt because I felt I had always loved that, but I always, always wanted that, but thought it was just perfect to get it there so i was glad i waited the decades and (laughs) got it there that does make it more special when you get it from the studio i think i i don't don't remember what i bought there (laughs) i think i got at least a couple of jackets at least a shirt or two some oh yeah they had uh cast member pins that they let us buy which was i think david you did too didn't you isn't that you that got it somebody else got them too that was right oh, in yes, front of I me. I got the whole set. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, and I wouldn't have bought them unless you had, because it's like, oh my gosh, really? We get to get those? Because I assumed that we couldn't. And they were very gracious and uh, opened up pretty much as much of the cast things as they could to us, which was really cool. I got a few things, but she doesn't know, so I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you got yeah. them for her for the holidays is what you're trying yes. to say. You're right. Yeah. I still haven't seen what's in that bag. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. It's not Christmas yet. Did anybody other than Becky have to buy another piece of luggage to bring home all the stuff that they bought on this trip? Well, you gave us a piece, so we didn't need yeah. it. <laughs> That's true. You gave us a duffel bag, yeah. That's true. You got the ABD uh, duffel bag. So um, as much as we loved the, the studios and the archive, again, the day just kept on getting better and better and better. From there, we went over to the Grand Central Air Terminal, which was at one point a a working air terminal for lunch. And it was was an enjoyable but frustrating lunch because we knew that Imagineering was next. And I'm like, come on, eat fast. We got to just go. And we broke up into groups. And from there, went over to um, multiple buildings at Walt Disney Imagineering. And unfortunately, we weren't able to take any photos and I, I and we're going to talk about the thing 
the thing that we saw. But talk about your experience at Imagineering because there we got to see places like the Imagineering Library. We got to see some short documentary films. Who wanted to go at one point into some of those rooms and just open up a drawer? Like there were drawers that said, you know, Magic Kingdom Fantasyland and imagined the original artwork and some of the sketches and stuff like that was in there. Anybody sort of jump in and tell me about your experience and your thoughts walking, literally walking through the halls on our guided tour of Imagineering. Yeah, that, that vault in the uh, library area, that had some really cool stuff that I just wanted to tear into. If I remember correctly, there was some stuff about some uh, old World Showcase pavilions that never made it to fruition. And I would just have, would have loved to see what, what was in uh, those binders. Anybody else? Or is it so hard to remember because it was so much you saw that was then eventually eclipsed, eclipsed by the way that the day ended? Well, it depends it's, on how the day ended. For well, you, there was like three awesome things that happened. I know. So let's right. So let's right. So because I know that everybody's thinking about the thing, but well, we were able to thing. The, well, well there's we there were the several dish? things within the thing. Right. So let's get to. So all right. Let's start with. So I loved the library. I loved it. But so let's talk about the dish and what the exactly dish. the the dish is. Uh-huh. So it, way back when, when uh, when Imagineering would conceptualize and start to execute um, on an attraction, they would build a small scale model of it. Um, They would actually build it, you know, a few feet off the ground so you could actually sort of walk through it. So you'd get sort of that first person perspective as if you were in your boat or your bateau or the perspective of the person who'd be riding. But it would be obviously a much more miniaturized version. For years they did that. And I think they, they still do build those models. But now thanks to modern technology, they're able to use um, the, the the power of technology to really enhance and get a better understanding of what that experience is going to be in terms of, of virtual reality and, and augmented reality. And the dish is basically a large room that's sort of a, a 270-degree-ish, 360-degree-ish screen on the walls and floor that will give you a virtual walkthrough of a park or as we were able to do, sort of a virtual ride-through of an attraction. You put on virtual reality headsets and we were able to sort of walk through Magic Kingdom and then ride through an attraction. So anybody share your, your thoughts about your, your time in the dish? I felt like I was going to plunge to my death. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not how to sell the idea of of the dish because it felt well, so real is what you mean. <laughs> it, okay, because remember what they did was they, they allowed each of us to put on the, the VR and you walked into this wonderful land of whichever you were doing. And of course, we were in the Magic Kingdom and they were able to then from the center perspective show you places and let you walk into things or off of the edge of things. Like I actually walked off the edge of being at the top of the castle and it was so realistic feeling. You, you really did feel like you were walking off the edge of the castle and that you would plummet to your death. It was, <laughs> Which, like, it was freaky how real it was. Like you were yes. sort of like reaching out in front of you to try and grab onto a railing that did not exist. 
Yeah, your fight or flight takes over in two <laughs> seconds flat when you're like, I can just walk. What What do you mean you can just walk? There's no way. Your brain takes over in that in that virtual reality uh, scenario, and you really do feel like you're there. It, it was uh, incredibly cool. And then, of course, we got to do the ride as well um, to experience it from sitting. But if, if you're... Uh, from your perspective, you feel like you're actually tipping to the right or to the left or up or down. It was um, it was very realistic and very cool. And one of the technologies that I really appreciate about it is that they can now uh, do a virtual reality of a proposed um, hotel room. So you can walk through it and you can see where the bed is placed. You could see where the um, the bathroom is. So you know how much space you have to work around in. And I, I just think that technology is so amazing for them to be able to uh, to start it and adjust their, their test and adjust all the way through without having to uh, invest a lot of money in something to make it real and just have to change it around. So I really love that technology. It's so cool. Right. So we rode Radiator Springs Racers, a very early version of it but you felt as though even like you said you were sitting in a in a sedentary position you felt as though you were moving and being able to look and get the perspective of what it looked like to your left your right and behind you is obviously not only incredibly valuable for them but it's just very very cool because it's so close you know it actually mimics what we now see over at disney california adventure it was so realistic to what it ended up being, but you can imagine as they were starting to pull it together, trying to figure out, well, if we take them a little bit more to the right, then maybe we can go under this bridge and maybe we can see a waterfall. You know, you can almost feel how the thought process would have gone as they were making those decisions. Me was being um, like a geek that I am, you know, the first thing I thought of was uh, Star Trek as a, a holodeck. Yeah. You know, it was, it was that realistic in a sense that other than the physical touching, it was, it was, that's what it reminded me of this huge room that they created and could turn it into anything. And you, it what? makes you think about, you know, is this where we're starting to go? It, it was very much reminiscent of doing something like, like the void, um, either yes. in Disney Springs or in downtown Disney, which the first time I did it blew me away. I did not expect it to be such a hyper-realistic experience. But you wonder, is this a technology that we'll eventually see in the parks in terms of um, uh, interactive-type experiences for guests? I would think so, um, because that was pretty that was pretty neat to see and uh, how they were able to do it in a very, very relatively simple setting in that room. It was it's hilarious very- to watch that uh, they had one person with the sensor on and everything shifted to match their perspective. And they started them out in a virtual hub of the Magic Kingdom. And people were stepping over the fence that wasn't <laughs> there in the middle. Like they would lift their legs clear up for something that wasn't there. It's just, And then you put it on yourself and you understood why. So from the dish, now I'm trying to see, it seems like it was so long ago. So from the dish, we went over to, oh, help me out here. Where did we go from the dish? Um, well, we, we did the dish after the library. Right. We went over to the library, um, but there was something else we saw there. To, oh, uh, we went over to the sculpture shop. Sculpture room. Right. Yeah. We went to the sculpture room, which again, unfortunately, you couldn't take any pictures, but there were... Hundreds of statues and maquettes and early and late 
uh, mock-ups as well as finished products of audio animatronic figures and props from throughout Disneyland and Walt Disney World, as well as small little vignettes of what the full versions would look like. There were so many cool things to see from classic Mickey Mouse to the Snow White statues to Figment. I sort of gravitated towards a small vignette of the Country Bear Jamboree stage that was off in the corner. We saw a, a quote-unquote naked early audio animatronics figure as well as some of... um you know, some of the Blaine Gibson uh, president sculpts and things like that. Anybody have any thoughts about what we saw, what we learned, and and maybe even some of the, the personal things that you saw there that connected with you in the, for lack of a better word, the, the sculpture room? The first thing for me was uh, them telling the story of the, the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs on how they originally didn't have a quote unquote um, invoice because they were afraid that Walt would find out how much they cost. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was, that was awesome to me. You and know? the scale wasn't exactly yeah. right. And one of the first things they noticed is yeah, Snow White's not tall enough. <laughs> so Walt said, we'll make it happen. You know, and they did, you know, they put Snow White up higher and, and you, you go up and see it, you know, the next, you know, couple of days later and it's like, wow, you know, okay. I, I understand now. So it's really cool to do that. Anybody else? Even was there was there a um, a figure in there that you just wish you could have put in your pocket or taken home and and, and kept for yourself? All the haunted mansion stuff. Yes. Ah, oh, those are so cool. There's that whole. There's like three shelves that are nothing but haunted mansion little figurines. I. I have some. I have some shelf space right behind me. <laughs> it would be great for that, in case anyone, anybody did grab one. <laughs> I would have taken any of the figment statues. Yeah, and it's amazing when you when you because you're, you're you're able to obviously get very very close to them when you see the the level of detail and the incredible artistry that it takes to um, to create them. Um, but look, let's talk about the you know, giant elephant in the room because one of the, the, when we went into the library and you saw the thousands upon thousands of reference books and magazines, um, it's incredible what is at their disposal to obviously make sure everything is completely accurate. But when we went into that, that archive room where there was row after row and drawer after drawer of what we imagine are, those original sketches of Fantasyland, those original plans for Epcot, I wanted to just, you know, just open one of them and just see what some of those looked like. We saw a short presentation uh, from one of the Imagineers, and then I think calling it the grand reveal is not really, it, it's almost an understatement because they slid away from the front facing wall in front of us, they revealed the sketch. They revealed the drawing. We know the story of Walt taking that original drawing uh, to the bankers to sell the idea of Disneyland. There was a, a replica of it on display at D23 two, four, however many years ago. This was it, man. This is the one that Walt sat down over the weekend and 
you know, from his mind, those drawings were put down on paper. When they slid that away, I, one of you said this before, the air came out of the room. I mean, there was like like uh, audible gasps of breath seeing that gigantic sketch in front of you. Give me your thoughts when you saw it. Anybody just just bark them out. I think I nearly dropped an F-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was that majestic. It, it was just, it just took your breath away as soon as they moved that uh, partition over and there it was staring you right in the face. It was outstanding. When you were close to it, you could see the different, all of the individual pencil lines and the indentations and you couldn't help but think about that weekend and imagine Wald and Herb Ryman like pouring over that map and how incredibly talented is Herb Ryman for pulling that map off it the detail was incredible seeing it in person it was it was it's a work of art I mean you know it is we we talk about you know uh, expenses expensive pieces of art and work of art and it's one thing I think and this is this is what I sort of took away from this it's one thing to see a movie or a picture or um, a, a video of a beautiful piece of art, right? Whether it's the Mona Lisa or whatever, this is a work of art. And and it was interesting because in our group, we were divided into two small groups because again, our ABD is, was only limited. We were what, Becky, 34, 36, 36. So they broke us into two groups and there was almost sort of, again, that sense of reverence. Like we were sort of backing off away from it. So we did. And I'm like, I don't care. I got my little face like a little kid pressed his face up against a glass. I wanted to see Katie to your point. I wanted to see those pencil marks. I wanted to see the indentations. I wanted to sort of know that this is the one that literally, you know, it was hand pressed, uh, you know, pencil on paper and to see the detail and the shading and the the intricacy and just how close that original weekend sketch ended up becoming to the place that we would walk on just hours later was fascinating to me. Well, the part that got me, because I, I knew what was coming, obviously, and I, I do want to make sure everyone realizes that that's not something that's on the normal ABD going into the library. This was something that was special just for us. So if you're booking an Adventures by Disney, this is not something that would be included in a regular tour. Um but what got to me is after looking at that, and I've seen it several times when it's been on display in places, but there's one thing I forgot. And I was standing there and they were showing us the picture and they were showing, talking about the detail and about the legacy and the history. And then he told us about the part where they had used certain paint so that it would glow at night. And when they turned off the lights and hit that, that black light and it just illuminated from a park from day to nighttime, I had forgotten that it did that. And it struck me um, like a ton of bricks in the back of my head of just the sheer beauty of that piece of art. And um, again, the, the air went out of the room and that feeling of, of being in, in front of something very sacred to its history. Um, it, it was uh it was very touching and very moving to to 
see that piece of the history in front of us. And that's when Anthony's potty mouth came out because <laughs> you couldn't help remember it, don't you? And and we and I, and let's be clear, we are doing what we saw a gross injustice because there's no way yeah. to convey yeah. just how not forget how important the the piece is, but when you're right, when those lights went out and that the 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 the, the image completely transformed you you cannot articulate just how spectacular that is and i and i i don't think i'm underselling this at all am i no 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 i needed to write about this for for weeks and i can't come up with the right words for those three times that air went out of the room and hopefully i will find those words so keep keep at it you guys because you'll give me an idea hopefully what it amazes me is that it was, you know, they kept saying how it was, it was drawn on, you know, like just a basic storyboard. And, and it almost seemed like they were saying, you know, this was like a first draft that, you know, they went to Walt with and said, okay, this is what I have. And they were probably expecting him to say, okay, can we work on it more? And it was so special and so good. And, you know, Walt said, okay, let's use this. And it was, you know, to me, it was, you know, it's an artist that, you know, throw something together that quick and and they and they're using it it's such an amazing thing to see you know the, the little ferry boat you know you, it almost looked like a reflection on the water the, the way the lights hit it was just absolutely stunning to clarify for those listening we actually got to see two fantastic pieces of art first was the Ryman pencil drawing but then they rolled that back and showed us the peter ellenshaw bird's eye view painting of Disneyland. And that's the one that illuminated with the um, luminescent paint. And so not only were we all emotional over the Ryman pencil drawing, but then they rolled back and showed, had the Ellen Shaw painting and all of the detail. And then the, the next level with turning the lights out, it was phenomenal as a geek of the parks and park maps and the history something I had hoped we would see, but seeing it was, it's, it's hard to describe. I had no idea. That was a complete surprise to me to be able to see it and, and get that close to it. And I think that was, again, one of those things that really sort of, I could have just stared at that for hours. And for the imagination, he was apologizing to us. He's like, I'm sorry, it's such a tight space, but we don't do tours back here. <laughs> and it, it was just, it was such a special feeling that you know becoming a part of this exclusive group where they could change some things around just for us and they knew that we were all in such disney geekdom that we love this we Mm -hmm. we want to know everything about it just being in the room with it was just that moment that special thing just being able to say to the imagineer i don't know if it meant more to him or me but i just said thank you for taking care of this and just that moment that he and I shared because he knew what it meant to us and to just be able to say to him, thank you. You know, it was just to see it, to, to actually see, like I've, I've done pitches and sales things before to actually see that notebook. That was the pitch that, you know, like that's what Roy took to New York and that's how they got the the money backing from the bank. Like I wanted to flip through that and see all the words in there. (laughs) You know, I wanted to, that was just unbelievable. I could not even imagine anything that special. It's just a shame that it is 
you know, locked up in this, this warehouse that no one really ever sees, you know, I really wish they would, you know, create a museum for it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people like us out there that would love to see this stuff, you know, and that would pay a lot of money to see this stuff. So it's just a shame that a lot of this stuff is never seen by anybody. David, go ahead. They do roll it you out. That they... They... Yeah. They, they bring it out. Like the... I, the times that I've saw it was at D 23 when they did expo, they had put them on display uh, at, at some points, but you know, I, I share that feeling that it would be nice to be able to go and, and it, you know, see this stuff when you want to see it. But then again, I also appreciate the ability to um, to have that special moment to actually see this without having it on display on a constant basis where it might be damaged. So I'm, I think that uh, the caretakers are doing a really good job of making sure that that, that legacy and that art stays um, safe for future generations to witness as well. David? You mentioned they split our group up and our group went and saw the paintings first and the other group went to the dish, but then they pull us out of that room and we have to walk by the other group and they're telling us act like nothing happened. And we're all just shell shocked. If you think you like the dish, where do you see what's next? And again, you, um, you were able to go shopping, which <laughs> yeah. I, I think I saw a little bit of running as you guys were approaching the, um, the Imagineering store, because again, this is a place that is obviously normally off limits to guests and you're able to get, you know, the same Imagineering gear that, um, that they are. Anybody pull anything really cool from Imagineering? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm thinking, I, I have the suitcases behind me and I haven't opened it yet from having it shipped here. Um, you actually found it for me. All I heard was, Becky, you want to see this? And I thought it, it was a joke. I thought it was going to be some sort of wicked queen outfit or, <laughs> you know, a poison apple or, you know, something of that sort. But no, you were holding an SEA sweatshirt, which, of course, is something that I am jonesing for anything that is is the society of explorers and adventurers and i can't wait till we see more of that and we need to see more of it but that's the first time that i've seen any merchandise that had the logo on it that we saw in uh tokyo mm. disney sea where i wanted you to shimmy up the light pole and pull down the banner that was hanging there but you wouldn't do it for me so at least you found me a really cool sweatshirt so i have you to thank for that yeah, again, it was that same feeling of of watching, you know, your kids go into Toys R Us and uh, and just go crazy and go shopping. But we once again had to board the bus and leave 1401 Flower and head on down to Disneyland because, and again, it wasn't just going to be your first night in Disneyland, go and have at it. Uh, we went down to Disneyland, checked into the oh-so-very-lovely Grand Californian Hotel, uh, Halloween was in full swing. I love the, um, the 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 decorations and the giant oogie boogie pumpkin in the lobby. But that night they um, they gave us tickets to the uh, Mickey's Halloween party over at Disneyland. So for me, this was the first time I was able to experience the party on both coasts and some of the neat things they do, um, like with the cadaver dance on the rivers of America, and obviously the Nightmare Before Christmas overlay. 
of Haunted Mansion. And again, there is that extra special touch that we were able to get um, that doesn't not only happen for regular guests, obviously, but doesn't happen on normal Adventures by Disney Tours, which was to hear from the, and I'm going to obviously get his title wrong, the show director, the show creator, show producer, Joe something. I don't remember his name. It was late and I was did not have enough Reese's peanut butter cups that night. But before we went in for what would be the final ride of the night, he explained the history and the backstory and the details and the gingerbread house, things to look for on the attraction. We rode and then came back out and were able to spend more time with him after the park had closed for a little bit of Q&A. So once we got to see that we were able to talk to him a little bit more i know for a lot of you this was the first time you guys saw the nightmare before christmas overlay at the haunted mansion yeah yes what did you think anthony i thought it was really cool yeah just just and this is my first time seeing the haunted mansion in disneyland obviously as well so just walking up to that building and seeing the uh decorating for halloween with the with the nightmare before christmas and then stepping inside it was Pretty much a whole new ride experience for me. Anybody else? Thoughts on the Nightmare Overlay? I had seen it about eight years ago, and I agreed with Joe. Um, they keep adding things. There were things that I didn't see before. You know, the first time I went in it, Sally wasn't there. A um, couple of the things that weren't there, and it was it just kept getting better and better, and we went on it probably four times, <laughs> yes. you know, just because I'm a huge, I, my my birthday's Halloween and I've always been a fan of that movie. So it was just amazing to see it again, again, again. So. And it was fun talking to the Imagineer because then, you know, his name is Joe and then you start looking for Joe's inside there on the boxes <laughs> and on the labels. And then you're like, Oh, that's him. There's our guy. So, I mean, it was just the extra little touches and all the details that he explained. Yeah, yeah, I really liked being able to compare and compa- contrast the Disneyland Halloween party versus the Walt Disney World and eat all of the snacks along the way. But it was a late night and it was also an early morning because, again, as part of the adventure, we were able to get early access into Disneyland. Um, when I say before the park opens, I mean there is nobody in Disneyland. Uh, Main Street USA was exclusively ours. It was very fun and interesting to see how many and how creative many of you got with your I'm going to lay down right down in the middle of Main Street USA and do your Becky pose. Um, Do the Becky pose. Do the Becky pose, uh, (laughs) sitting Indian style in front of that. Um, Part of the reason why we're able to do that was we were able to be greeted by one of the Disneyland ambassadors, um, take some cool pictures in front of the castle and the 360 one we took came out awesome, by the that way. Was great. Um, and then had breakfast over at the Plaza Inn and got visits from like 20 different characters. Like it was a cavalcade of characters and an oh so very delicious breakfast as well. <laughs> I love that restaurant too because you never know who you're going to meet. There's all kinds of like old school stuff that you yeah. never see anywhere. Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbit was there. The fairy godmother was there. Um, Honest John. Wait, wasn't Honest John? Honest John. Yep. Yeah, he was there from Pinocchio. Who else, Katie? Rafiki. 
Oh, that's right. Rafiki was there. You're in, I mean, but, uh, but it was so nice to be in the park with nobody else there. I mean, we did see a little taping of uh, Disneyland, uh, Dancing with the Stars, was it, over in the corner? Um, not necessarily where we were, but then we, we got to see some little hidden things that, um, you know, like Peter Pan and Wendy did a little thing, like a little carving in the tree and certain little things that they would point out to us that I hadn't noticed before in the years that I visited. So we we had some fun special moments to ourselves before. before yeah, I the- saw some people had taken screenshots from the Dancing with Their Stars and there's our group walking behind Lori behind <laughs> one of the taping pieces. And so people had done screen ca- captures and were posting those. That was really cool. Yeah, so to, and, and this day was was entitled Walt's World. This this was our day in Disneyland. So Becky, tell us a little bit about what we did before we had a little bit of time to, in my case, eat my way through the Disneyland Resort. <laughs> Which part? Um, I'm wondering exactly what you're talking. So we about. had a we were able to get a tour of of some of the. Classic oh. attractions. Well, remember, I was staged in one very special place. I didn't get to do all of the tours that you guys um, all ran around to because the last and the the big um, reveal of where you're going on that tour was where I was staged for all three of the segments. So do you want to go there first? Uh, you, so you were in the lounge all day. We get it. All right. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was nowhere. I didn't even go to the lounge that day, just so that you know, but. I know you were having you. I saw you had the shakes by the end of the day that you hadn't visited. Wow. Throughout. Um, so, um, so Katie, tell us, tell, why don't you explain a little bit about what we did that day in, in terms of our tour of Disneyland? Sure. So one of my favorite things that we got to do early in the day is go backstage at the Indiana Jones attraction in Disneyland. And that is, Uh, unique to Disneyland domestically and it it was really cool to see how big the vehicles were and how much goes into keeping that attraction operational I was exceptionally interested going into it and then our backstage attraction visit the next day because there are two attractions that have a little bit of a reputation for going down at times and the cast members were refreshingly honest and based on what they told me or told all of us i'm surprised the attractions aren't down more often (laughs) i'm surprised the attraction actually works considering how complex they really are (laughs) so much that could go wrong and so it's but we just know the ride experience so it was really great seeing that backstage kind of the backstage magic that makes it happen for us as guests and all of the cast members that we spoke to were so knowledgeable and generous with their time so that was a highlight of that that morning at the park and you don't realize how big that vehicle is until you're standing next to it no they're huge yeah and just how complex of a ride system and mechanism it really is and just how much of a another world there is backstage to keep all the stuff on stage going. That's exactly right. It was cool to hear him talk about Indiana Jones versus dinosaur and how they kind of taught the people here some things. And, you know, they built the ride vehicles over there. And although it's 
very similar of a ride, it feels so different. So you have such a different experience on both of them. So to hear them discuss it and, you know, we got to ask, you know, are you ever on conference calls with the people on this coast and you share different experiences of what makes it go down? How do you fix it? What are you experiencing over there? It was just, it's so interesting to hear them talk about those details that we would never even think of. And so this is a perfect example in the interest of full disclosure. This is a perfect example of with all the highlights of all the different days, I literally don't remember what the other attractions were that so we visited. You were trying tour. to hand that off to me. I was. I, I absolutely was trying to hand it off because I completely forgot. <laughs> Which is a good thing, I guess, in a way. There's right, because there were so many day. highlights that, yes. that I couldn't remember everything that was going on throughout the day. I do remember my chimichanga. I will. I will. <laughs> as long as I'm being clear. Yeah. I remember seven fast passes. That was pretty awesome sauce. Oh, right. We had the card with the fast passes on them. (laughs) Fast passes are hard to get at Disneyland. Uh, You have to have the max pass. So if you don't have max pass, being able to to be handed just this treasure trove of fast passes is a a pretty special deal. So that was really cool too, because then we could use them wherever we wanted to on some of them. Others were, were actually timed for us as well. So, uh, even in our downtime, like I said, the one of the things I really appreciate about Adventures by Disney, especially in a park experience, is that there is time that they can just say, go and experience the thing that is important to you. So you're not always with the group all the time, but then they also give you little extra plus ups like fast passes so that you're less inconvenienced. You don't have to wait in line and you can do a lot of different things that is important to you. Right. And we were, and so, I, so now I'm, it's starting to come back to me now because we met for the Pixar play parade mm-hmm. during the afternoon and our guides who are awesome went and got us all Dole Whips like and guy. delivered them like, Again, that's Becky Mankin style right there. Uh, our VIP area. We definitely, yeah. We had our own viewing yeah. area. He brought us Dole Whips. We were able to spend most of the day on our own. And then at night, we also had the private viewing area for the... Fantasmic. Uh, Fantasmic. That's right. Because right, Oh, right. The night before, we had seen the Halloween parade. And then Fantasmic right. was that night. See, when you get old, all the days start to blur into <laughs> one another. Um, again, it was a late night, early morning the next day Wait, where... Whoa. You forgot what? the big thing. You huh? forgot yeah. the big... Hello. Where was I for three for three rounds of people? We were able to do something that only Adventures by Disney does in Disneyland, which is visit Walt's apartment. Oh, my. How, do I, how did I forget that? I don't know. <laughs> Jeez Louise, man. Walt's apartment is the, uh, it is a place that every Disney fan has to visit and stand there and look out the window from the other side to see people walk into his park. And all you, when you walk in, I, I'd love to hear everybody's impression of what you, what you thought it looked like as opposed to what the reality was, because it kind of is a shocker for the first time when you walk up there. I enjoyed walking up those back steps. I'm like, are these the steps that he went up? I mean, you know, you always wonder, is there a special entrance and, you know, that kind of thing. And um, just being in this space where you could see all of the things in the apartment, the little, that's where he had his glasses, right? With the W-E-D on it and just, or was that in his, that was his office. office. Had that, Um, but he had the, um, the carpet with, 
the, the Tom, Tom and Jerry. And Jerry yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the grilled cheese sandwich maker. Oh, yes. It's <laughs> the original that they dare not plug in because it would probably electrocute everybody within a mile radius. <laughs> but to realize how small it was, like I would have imagined like a little bit more, but he actually didn't spend as much time in there as I had imagined in my little mind of. <laughs> I had seen some of my friends have gone there before. So I had seen a couple of pictures, not a lot, but to actually be there and mm-hmm. to see some of the things and to, to look out onto the, the main street USA, it was just, mm-hmm. it was awesome. You know, to be somewhere that, you know, everybody that walks by and 90% of the people that walk by that have no idea it's there, you know, and, you know, Walt knowing that, you know, that's, that's a bird's eye view of seeing people come in and seeing the kids, you know, get all excited about running down the street and going to the castle. It's just, that's an amazing thing to, to be able to see. And you're doing it too. You know, you're looking at people come in for the first time. I, I really like how the guides very much um, um, humanize the experience. And what I mean by that is they talk to you about Walt would sleep here, William, Lily would sleep here. She picked out this rose pattern. He did this. Um, it, it, it made it more relatable to Walt, the, the, the person, the human being, not Walt, the, the, the head of the company, the, you know, the creator of Disneyland. Becky, when we did this years ago, um, again, we were sort of um, we were competing with our schedules for setting up for D23 Expo. That was my first time ever there. I I definitely had that uh, very emotional response to it. And, you know, you go in and you see, you know, you want to sort of sit where Walt sat and you can't sit on the couches. And obviously, you know, I would have laid down on the couches, but you are, are in this space that Walt occupied. And for me, that wasn't where I really wanted to go because if you went <laughs> around the corner, there was a very small dressing area. There's a um, um, steps out to a, a private balcony, but there's also Walt's bathroom and Walt's shower. And at the time, I, I guess I was able to do it because I did it. You can't do it anymore. I went into Walt's bathroom. I mean, I kept the seat down, but I sat down. I, you, you guys walked where Walt walked. I sat where Walt sat because let's admit it. That's where all the really good ideas came from. It wasn't in his office. It wasn't wandering the streets. I'm like, again, I'm like, come on, Walt. I want some of the the inspiration. But that space too, it, it screams, um, you know, late 50s, early 60s right. with the color palette and like the 19 shower heads that he has in his uh, in his very dated looking bathroom. But yeah, again, to be able to be in in that special space that was very personal to Walt the man is yeah, which um, is interesting is now because they now stage a cast member there so you can't go past <laughs> yes i i know that um, and you're actually you know escorted in there so i have a feeling uh, yes. other people may have tried that or maybe they just caught you on on <laughs> that i did it once that's all i needed i had my moment <laughs> walt and i shared we all we shared a very special moment uh, okay so so now did, did i forget anything on the disneyland day yeah, I was just going to ask or interject one more thing. They did allow us to do one thing because we're not supposed to take pictures in the apartment. Um, what they did allow was the uh, the guides to take pictures of each family right next to the window as well. So I, that's one of those things, a highlight 
uh, a takeaway from that experience that I think everybody will cherish because uh, they did a picture of the group that was in there together. And then they took individual family pictures. And I was looking back through the pictures and noticing just the, um, uh, the happiness on their faces when they're looking out that window and the, the light is just coming on everybody's faces. It was one of my very favorite pictures of the group at, uh, was those individual pictures by the window. So the next morning, again, early morning, we had breakfast. Uh, and again, to be clear, you know, other than the time that you're on your own, all your, you know, the meals are included um, as part of the adventure. So we had a group breakfast together, a character breakfast at what I love Storyteller Cafe, by the way, at, at the uh, at the Grand Californian. And then again, early access into Disney California Adventure. If I'm getting my timing correctly, we all rode, we all rode Toy Story Mania got a tour of Carthay Circle and then went over to Cars Land. Radiator Springs. Yeah. Right. We went over to Razor Springs and um Which, that is where we got I'm, try, I'm again I'm trying to remember the timing. Is that where we went backstage, backstage. at backstage, Radiator Springs? Yeah. Which was fascinating. Yeah, I, I had never seen the backstage of that area. Um, I kind of peeked in, but I had never been up on that second level where they bring in the cars to uh, for maintenance. But the screen that's above where it shows where every single car is and which one might be giving them trouble and which one is when they're all green, everybody's happy and nobody's doing anything. If one goes red, how it shuts down and I know he was telling us really fascinating things about the ride and the maintenance of the ride. I was transfixed by that screen, just watching the cars go around and where they are. And oops, one just went down while we were there. And we got to see the process for how they determine what happened to that one car and what could be the problem with it and how to remove it from the track and how they restart. I just uh, had a really good time learning about that because especially Radiator Springs, it does go down a lot and you really don't know why. And uh, some of the information that we were given, now I have a very detailed and clear understanding and <laughs> we'll have a lot more patience next time. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, it was really neat to sort of sp and we spent a lot of time backstage too, really getting to understand the inner working of the vehicles and the track and the ride system and the cast member roles in all that. Um, the only thing that was somewhat frustrating with that was that it was keeping me from my cozy cone. So I was, you know, come on, man, speed it up. I got to get out there. Um, but and I think once you when you do that and then ride the attraction, you have a, uh, a greater appreciation for it as well. Um, so after the tour, I think we were on our own, correct? We had some fast passes on our own and we were able to sort of spend the afternoon at California Adventure. Yeah, they gave us five. So what did you ride, Soren. Anthony? What did you choose to ride with your we fast did pass? Soren too. Oh, we did do Soren. That's right. We went yeah, back. Soren, Thank you. Yeah. We did See, we did, and then this is why we do this as a group because we all yes. can't remember. Right? We went backstage. <laughs> we went under the the screen, the screen. in Storm and got a sort of a backstage tour um, about the design and the execution and the the sense that you the smells when I say sense s c e n t s the sense of of Soren and then experience the yeah. attraction and then experience the attraction from behind the screen to really get a sense of just how big just how 
um, complex how loud that system is back down there too. And I had not known, you know, I, I knew about a couple little Easter eggs, but I didn't know that there's a hidden Jack Sparrow in there. I, I, didn't, I yeah. learned that little tidbit. And so now I have to look for him next time I ride because I, I now know where he is. But he's that's on the really beach, cool right? He's on the beach. Yeah, uh, he's yeah. on the beach. We also got to touch the uh, Soren screen, which felt a lot heavier than I would have imagined. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was tall enough, I'm sure I could have reached to be able to touch it too. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was right. So it was after that that we had lunch um, and time on our own at California Adventure. All right, very quickly, what was the best thing you ate at DCA? Cozy cone, other than the cozy cone. <laughs> Does the dinner at Carthay count? That could, that could count. Yeah, then that had to be it. Yeah. We had a Jack Jack cookie. Oh, the num num cookie. A num num. The oh, cookie num num. Oh, that, that was amazing. Was the churro cake. <laughs> the, I didn't have the churro Wait, cake. What? I didn't either. What? <laughs> we got to go back, Kate. We got to go back. What was that? It's a seasonal limited item at Paradise Garden. What? Real. It was a churro oh. cake. It, it was beautiful and delicious. <laughs> how did we miss that? Because I was at the Cozy Cone. That's how I missed it. Um, okay, so we had some time on our own, and only because we're running relatively-ish long, um, and I do want to be able to spend some time recapping. Our sad, insert sad emoji here, our farewell dinner um, was at the Carthay Circle Theater. Again, uh, we were able to tour the festival to tour the location earlier in the day we had a, a private room that night we all got um the glow with the show ears and then had a private viewing area for what i is far and away my favorite parade right now which is paint the night um i just love the floats i love the music i love the energy about can we do this again well that's you, 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 you just keep singing that as you're walking away and that was part of the conversation that we had at our farewell yeah. dinner and we will we will touch a little bit on um what we have planned going uh going forward but the next morning we had our um our farewell breakfast at steakhouse 55 at disneyland resort and unfortunately um our our week-long adventure had um had come to an end and as long as we've gone as much as we've covered like we still didn't hit all of the things that we did and experienced but I, I would like for you guys if you had to pull out one moment one thing something that was most impactful or memorable for you and when you talk to somebody about this adventures by disney trip this is the thing this is this is the thing for you so Beatrice, Katie, Anthony, David, in that order? Wow, the thing. I've been trying to figure that out for the past two weeks because <laughs> I have like five top things. Um, I would probably say the surprise of going into Walt's office to see like where his secretary and where he really worked because I know the long hours that he spent there and the nights that he spent late nights there working and um and we didn't expect that like I had said before you know there were so many bucket list items before I even knew of the unexpected surprises so as much as I knew I would love it I loved it that much more 
And it, it just, the, the first 30 seconds I was there, I got off the plane and, you know, there's someone there ready to take us to the hotel with our name on it. Like there was so much of a comfort level from the second that I got there to where I felt like we were very important and taken care of. We were in the best spots. We were fed every time we got on the bus, there's water, there's snacks. There's, I mean, we just felt so important and so taken care of. And there were the, there were so many amazing surprises that I couldn't have imagined it to even be close to what it was to, to honestly, the carousel, like everything. I, I couldn't have imagined it to even be close to where it was. And that's why, that's why I select to take it with you guys rather than just booking adventures by Disney on my own, because I know that I can get so much more. I know that like the first 30 seconds of meeting Michael and Lori, they were friends. I mean, he saw my purse and he, we were talking Disney races. I mean, we were like in the first 30 seconds, he was family. And it, it just, there was so much of a comfort level and, and I just all wrapped up into one thing. I would just say that, that Disney hug that they take care of you and everything is magical. So I can't select one of that, but I would just say the, the feeling that we get out of it. I, I think that that's a, a perfect, incredibly well articulated way of putting it. And I loved, look, I've known you for a long time. You, you radiate joy. Like you, I, you never have nothing but a smile on your face. But when I saw multiple times and i'm not meaning to call you out or embarrass you but there was multiple times that 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 smile of joy turned into tears of joy i'm like she's having a good time she's she's really enjoying this and and you're feeling you are you're feeling that disney hug i would have chosen this and then the next day of all the places that i would have chosen this i mean i it got better and better and it's just that feeling of, of trust and to know that that going with you guys is going to give that much extra than I could have got on my own is I would put that as my number one, because the experiences there's everyone was trumped by the next thing that we did. It was amazing. Um, but just the whole hug of it all was probably my, I like opinion. that the hug of it all. Yeah. <laughs> I like it's all about the hugs because I am a hugger. Um, <laughs> Katie, what about for you? On a Disney nerd level, you, I can't top the office visit and the maps that we saw at Imagineering. On a personal level, I want to thank Lou and Becky for putting this community and organizing this trip. It was great. Each one of these trips, you meet new friends. And Anthony and I were actually table mates on the on the double dip cruise last June. And so it was great reconnecting with him. So reconnecting with old friends, meeting new friends, a lot of these people in the community that you guys have developed and fostered have become close and dear friends. So on a personal level, it's those relationships, but there's definitely those Disney nerd bucket list items I didn't think I hoped we would see and you guys made happen. So thank you. Oh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. And it is, you know, it is about the community and, you know, when I say friends and family, like that's how we feel, you know, even if the, the, the friends, whether we've yet met yet or not is not just a line. It's something that I believe in. And it's trips like this 
that very much are a testament to that. And it's not, it has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you guys. I say all the time, I just, I built the clubhouse, but you guys are the ones that populate it. And I love seeing the friendships and the, and the relationships form. I guess it is maybe the, the dad and me. So uh, table mate, Anthony. <laughs> yeah. So having never been to Disneyland and always been um, fixated with Disney history, this, this trip really, knocked my socks off, uh, so to speak. Uh, the time, I think I was with you and Becky when we were in that mini group in Walt's office and just looking around and, and taking it all in. And I came across, they had a, a map, I think, of Disneyland in his office. And they had the Haunted Mansion pointed out and said there was a home of a thousand and one happy haunts. So two must have flown the coop at some point, but then I'm not sure where they went. Uh, so, you know, it was just so cool just to be in that atmosphere and environment where uh, Walt Disney had uh, lived and worked uh, for so many years. And then going to Disneyland the next day, I, I told people I went full kamikaze mode that day in Disneyland. I was there from 630 in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. Uh, no break. They didn't go Sorry back to the hotel that. at all. And, uh, you know, I, I went, I took it all in and uh, we got to go to Walt's apartment that morning and it was great to get the picture look, overlooking Main Street and then walking out of Main Street that night, I had to snap a picture of the apartment with the candle lit in the window. Uh, it, I thought it was a good bookend uh, to that day. David, what about you? I mean, that day three was something special. You started out the morning in Walt's apartment. You spent the afternoon looking at that Herb Ryman drawing. And then in the evening, I got to go to Disneyland for the first time. I, d I don't have a wife. I don't have kids. I can honestly say that was the best day of my life without somebody coming after me for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next day, I got to go to Cozy Cone for the first time. So, I mean... They like to make people cry. And, and they succeeded. Yeah, and I know we had we had talked a little bit at the cozy cone and and over by the um, uh, over by the the statue of of Walt and Mickey and and um, it was it, it was a it was it was an amazing trip not just as a participant but again to to watch um, to to watch you guys and and enjoy it individually as well as enjoying it collectively. One of the questions we had asked or I had asked at our final dinner and i think again the next morning was okay you know we're, we're already thinking ahead you know what do we want to do next uh we already have japan on the books and at this time well actually about a week ago with this time next year we will be in japan from what is it becky that 13th to the 20 23rd third and some, then you add a couple on days and, yeah 20 20 ish if you add on or not if you liked Adventures by Disney to Hollywood, you're going to love Adventures by Disney to Japan. Um, oh, yeah. That is the one I'm counting down. And there's already conversations about um, possibly going to the motherland and, and heading over to Italy, um, as well as um, maybe a domestic Adventures by Disney. Katie's shaking her head. It, it was interesting. One came up in conversation that was not on my radar, and everybody collectively was like, yeah, Big Daddy, we're in. So there's conversations already starting to happen. And uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe an announcement to come 
at some point soon. And then Becky, obviously all the things that I haven't told you that I want to do. And that's, that's usually a huge list and I have no idea. There's a lot of things on that whiteboard up there. You're staring at it right now. Yeah. There's a lot of things (laughs) I have on my whiteboard that. um, I'm going to be back in December. I think you should show that to me for Christmas. I'm going to hide. I think that should uh, be my Christmas present. I'm going to hide. Take some stress off of me. (laughs) Let me know what I have to work on for the next five years. So, and, and listen, the, um, uh, obviously a, a huge uh, amount of gratitude has to go to Becky. There, there's a lot of logistics that happen behind the scenes to make these trips happen. Um, and, and to all of your points in terms of making those extra special things happen, um, it does not happen by accident. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of time that goes in and certainly it, it couldn't happen without Becky Mankin. From MAI and Mouse Fan Travel for all your vacation planning needs. But it's true. And and I appreciate um, all that you do. And, and, you know, that's why the the, the trust that we have in, in, in doing these kind of trips and doing these kind of trips as a group is so very well placed. Because to, you know, all of your points, it's not about matching or meeting the levels of expectation it's about exceeding them and making those wow moments even more special and then trumped by the ones that follow thereafter um and that's and that's what i know you do becky and that's one of the things that that i like to do as well and and that's Mm -hmm. why this partnership and relationship and and you know friendship dare i say has worked for so long well, thank you very much and thank you and all of you for giving me that opportunity to put some of the things that I've wanted to do on paper and present it to the people I did to say, this is things that I want to do too. But, you know, for you and I, we sat down a couple of years ago and said, what would be special? What would make this special? And uh, to make my dreams come true and to watch your faces as some of these really special magical moments were presented to you, you made my day. Um, when I got to see your faces, enjoy these things that I had been, that Lou and I had been working on and planning for so long and to see it on your faces come to fruition, that, that meant the world to me. So thank you guys for indulging me as well. Yeah. And again, there's, you know, we covered a lot. We left out a lot, you know, we didn't even talk and don't say what, you know, there was a little surprise that everybody got a little takeaway. Everybody got at the end of the day. Um, which was a nice little um, uh, reminder and, and token of this trip. Um, the photos are wonderful. The stories are great, but it's it's the memories and the stuff, the time that we shared together that made this trip so special for me. Um, yes, it, it was Walt's office, and yes, it was seeing the paintings, but it really was. This trip would not have been the same if I had gone by myself or just with a couple of people. It's because of you who were there so i would love to hear from you our friend the listener who's sitting there virtually around the table where would you like to go next on a future ww radio group friend family trip if it's an adventures by disney where would you like to go is it a cruise what's the destination what's the ship if it's something else, let me know. You can let me know a couple of different ways. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Plead your case to the jury. Tell me where you want to go and why. You can also go to our Facebook group. Go to www.radio.com slash community. That is our Box People group. That's where the community and conversation should take place. And if you have any questions, obviously, about any of these trips or a trip you want to plan on your own, you can go to mousefantravel.com. Beatrice, 
Brian, Anthony, I'm Wacko for Flacco, my friend David Potts, and of course, Katie, I'll see you in Japan, Coon. Thank you guys so, so very much. And as we sort of wrap up our thing, very quickly around the cor- around the horn, if you can remember, the best thing you ate on your adventures by Disney. Go. Oh, the ice cream at Ghirardelli. Prime rib at uh, Tamil Shanta. I think I have to go with Bengal barbecue. Oh, that a ball. We had a nice time at Bengal barbecue. Oh, so much. So many barbecue skewers. We literally ordered everything off the menu. <laughs> That was a nice day. That was, that, was a, that was a good day right there. <laughs> I, I was with you there, Lou. That was, that was a fun fun meal. I've never eaten there before. It's because it's counter service. Uh, Katie? <laughs> I'm looking through all of my food pictures. And <laughs> there was so much of it. There was so, mu- there was so much of it. I ate so many snacks. <laughs> Part of it is that, like that first that first day, Lou, when you and I got there beforehand, and we went to that little Japanese restaurant oh, in gosh, in the mall so that is the worst good. designed mall in the world. <laughs> that was really good. I think that was I ate like four or five full plates of the, sushi. The waitress literally was like, "Are you sure you want? Is there anybody else? Like, is there four more people coming?" I'm like, "Don't worry, sister, I got this." And I <laughs> ate it all. I ate mine and some of yours. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. But that was good. That was a good. Meal. That was delicious. We had a nice Can breakfast that morning at at at, um, at Mel's, right? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Like, burger and a milkshake. Burger yeah, we milkshake. did Mel's too. <laughs> we did breakfast, and it was good. We did. We had a nice. Oh, it was a nice cup of coffee. Just sitting there, planning for the future. Like a real diner experience, you know. I like that. Oh, Yamashita was good too. <laughs> Japanese <laughs> restaurant. Katie, I'm doing the same that thing. I'm like quickly scrolling. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> I'm never gonna forget that. I like. I'd be remiss if I didn't say cozy cone too. Like just because I love it so. The classic. How many how many cozy cones did you actually have? This was a disappointing trip for me because I only yeah, had one. I, I didn't even think you got one. Did you actually get one? I did, and okay. then I stayed a couple extra days to to speak at a conference, so I was able to sneak out to Flows the next morning for breakfast. So delicious. In the shadow of, of Radiator Springs and the music and beautiful weather. Oh, it was so nice. Oh, and the, the little fried cheese balls at, at Carthay Circle. I ate the entire basket myself. Oh, those are yes, good. Yes, you did. Yeah. You didn't share. Don't laugh at me, Katie Kuhn. They really were going did. to waste. They were sitting there. And I went to one of my favorites in Port, uh, New Orleans Square. I got the bread bowl and the oh, gumbo in so the nice. The pumpkin spice beignets were phenomenal. Where did you find those? <laughs> the julep bar. Man, I gotta follow you around when you <sighs> when you man. <laughs> missed out on all the good stuff. There was, I mean, as long as we were there, there's still a ton of places that I didn't get to eat while we were there too. So. That means we have to go back. When can we do this again? Uh, we're gonna be out there for D23 Expo in July, August. I don't know when D23 Expo is. It would be August. August. Yes, that's where we're gonna be out there for D23 Expo. So we'll um, go early. I, I have a little idea for something to maybe add on to to that D23 trip. So, so apparently, we need to talk. Possibly. <laughs> when possibly. can we? Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for a uh, for a memorable trip, and uh, and yes, we will definitely have to do this again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lou. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Th- thank you both. 
I'm starving, by the way. Just FYI, I'm famished at this point. Cookie nom noms. Who just grunted? Was that Katie? Was that Katie grunting at the cookie nom noms? That was Katie's stomach grumbling for the cookie nom noms. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, I brought you over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, specifically the Muppet Vision 3D Courtyard. I still love the attraction, the jokes, and all of the gags, both inside the queue and outside in the courtyard. And in fact, there's a beautiful, funny fountain out there that's full of little gags and details and obviously some Muppets. And I asked you to tell me, what character in that fountain is the cameraman? I want to thank the hundreds of you entered. Got this one correct again, some of you. Very creative in your answers, but the correct answer obviously was Fozzie Bear. But next time you go to the courtyard, make sure you take a a really close, detailed look at that fountain all the way around because sometimes you'll find some additional details that you probably never noticed before. Anyway, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, which include my uh, 102 Ways to Save Money for that Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio vinyl sticker for your car or your laptop, a pop socket for your phone, and a mystery prize, which may or may not have come back with me from our Adventures by Disney trip. It could be something from the studios. It could be something from Imagineering, Disneyland, the Cozy Cone. That's why it's a mystery prize. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and last week's winner is... Ellie Mitchum. So, Ellie, congratulations. You use the online form. I have your shipping address. I will get your prize package out to you right away. If you played last week, didn't win, that's okay. Because here's your next chance to enter in this week's food-themed, of course, Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, in Epcot's Club Cool, not only can you sample refreshing and interesting Coca-Cola flavors from around the world, but I know that we've all tried to trick our unsuspecting first-time guests and friends to the joys that are Italy's Beverly. But if you try them all, and maybe do you have a favorite? I do. Maybe one that you even tried to order for home. Anyway, if so, no matter what, tell me this. What is the name? See if you can do it from memory. What is the name, but you don't have to, of the club cool beverage that you can sample that hails from Japan? Where, by the way, speaking of Adventures by Disney, I can't wait to go next year. Anyway, it's okay. Tell me the Club Cool beverage that you can sample that hails from Japan. You have until Sunday, November 11th at 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the form on that page. Again, you're going to play for the books, the seven audio tours, the sticker, the pop socket. And this week, I will send you a WW Radio shirt. So good luck and have fun.
That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend and share with me. I also want to say big thanks and congratulations to everybody who came out and ran, walked, wogged, jogged, cheered, photographed, ate during this past weekend's Wine and Dine Half Marathon, including all the members of the WDW Radio running team and everybody who helped join me cheer on the course with them. Whether you are a first-time runner, a 10-time perfect dopey marathoner, or you just want to dip your toe into the WW Radio Marathon event, go to WDWrun.com. Be part of the WDW Radio running team and community and support system. Again, we are there to help you plan and run and cheer and train and be part of a community. It's so wonderful to see so many runners from the team running together during the events and supporting one another, not just during the events, but in between as well. Go ahead and go to WDWrun.com. And don't forget that we run to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. So this not only helps you and helps the team, but helps those that need it most as well. Speaking of family and community, I want you to be part of it because you already are just by virtue of you listening. To be part of the conversation and community, go to www.radio.com slash community. That will take you to our Box People group on Facebook. That's where I want the conversation and the community really to exist. Not just talking about this week's episode or things we have on the blog or videos, but anything really that you want to chat about as well. And even further than that, thanks to all of you who are part of the WW Radio Nation, including Dave Anderson, John Yaus, Michael Lynn, Peter Bush, Don Lee, Kevin Rodwell, Christy McLarty, and Jason Farrell. You guys not only do so much to help the show, but again, don't forget that a portion of everything that you contribute does go to our Dream Team project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. To find out more and to see how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including monthly scavenger hunts. We have a private Facebook group, custom Magic Band covers, logo gear, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World, exclusive live video group calls, early access to special events, which, as you know, if you try to get into some of our recent events at Sella quickly, that is a big bonus as well. Go and visit www.radio.com slash support. Remember that this show is not only for you, but to a certain degree, it's by you as well. So I want to hear from you. If you have a question or a comment you want me to answer on the air, you can email me, lou at www.radio.com or call 407-900-9391. That's our voicemail line. You can leave a question, a comment, a hello from the parks. Don't forget to join me every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WW Radio Live as I do a live video broadcast. More importantly, a conversation with you real time, either from my office or out and about from the parks. I'd also love to connect with you on social. I am at Lou Mangello on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Again, don't forget to join the WW Radio Box People group and like our page at facebook.com slash Radio. And of course, while I think that, that connecting and engaging on social is wonderful, Nothing beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I continue to do Meets of the Month every month in Walt Disney World. I'm still trying to figure out exactly when I can fit in November's, uh, possibly over Destination D weekend. If you're going, come to the Box People group. Let me know. December's will most likely be the weekend of the 8th, and January's will be over Marathon Weekend on Saturday, January 12th. Go to the events page at www.radio.com slash events to find out about upcoming Meets of the Month group cruises, our adventures by Disney to Japan, our cruise to New Orleans in February 2019, as well as other announcements as well. 
Also stay tuned as I'll be announcing some on-the-road events as I travel to speak. Oftentimes I'll do meetups as I'm going throughout the country or sometimes even internationally as well. And to that point, if I could maybe come speak to you, to your business, to your conference, to your school, to your event, visit loumangelo.com. You can find out how I can sort of integrate Disney lessons learned from the Disney parks, customer service, new media, social media, and lots more customized to you and your event. Again, visit Lou Mangello to find out more. And speaking of events, stay tuned this week as I'll be announcing and releasing tickets for my Momentum Weekend Workshop and my February 2019 Retreat Weekend in Walt Disney World. So stay tuned. Save the dates February 2019, February 2019 and September 2019. And stay tuned this week for announcements on social, on Facebook and in the newsletter. Thanks, as always, to Mouse Fan Travel, my official and recommended travel provider. I've been using them for my family's vacations for more than a decade, and that's why I trust them enough to recommend them to you. You Of course, you can visit them at mousefantravel.com. Go to celebrationspress.com to subscribe and order back issues of Celebrations Magazine. And finally, and most importantly, if you like the show, and I hope that you do, and if not, tell me why you don't, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. This is the best way for us collectively to grow our community by inviting your friends to join our friends here. So tweet out that you're listening to this or your favorite episode. Share it on Facebook, on your pay, on your profile or your page or in your group. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show over on iTunes. That is so incredibly helpful. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Chris the Bionic Dad, best name ever, who says... WW Radio is the best podcast available. I started listening back before it was the officially the WW Radio podcast and it was good, but now it's amazing. It's always a positive, always family oriented. It's the best Disney podcast out there. If you want helpful hints and information, if you want fantastic interviews with the Disney legends, if you want great reviews on food and behind the scenes magic, then sit back, relax, and enjoy. Practically Perfect says, simply the best. I am a longtime listener and fan of your show. You know you're a friend, not a fan. We've met several times through my work at MEI. I recommend your podcast to my clients, especially the food reviews. Those are my favorites. And Dawnzer Lee says, not only an expert, but infectious enthusiasm. I look forward to each week's podcast, whether I'm planning a trip or not. Lou's knowledge is amazing, but even more so is his friendliness and inherent goodness which makes my heart glad. Oh, thanks. It's one of the most joyful hours or two of my week when I tune in and it feels like I'm talking with friends. That's the idea that I've known for years, but maybe haven't quite met yet. It's almost as good as a Mickey hug. I thought you were going to say it's like a Mickey bar, a Mickey churro, some sort of Mickey food related, but you're right. Mickey hugs are good too. And Beatles 1964 says there's a ton of great Disney tips and tricks with some fun. Lou shares a ton of knowledge and his love of Disney each and every week. Thanks to all of you for taking the time not just to listen, but to rate and review the show as well. Again, just search for WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes and I'll take you right there and show you exactly how to do it. Finally, and most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you so very much in this season of Thanksgiving. It is even so much more important and so much more pronounced for me to make sure that you know that I remember and recognize and I'm grateful for you every single day. And if there's something that ever that I can do for you to help repay that favor, reach out to me and please let me know. Thanks again. I hope that this is your best and most delicious week ever. So until next time, see ya. 
Hi, Lou. This is Emma Harmon from Tallahassee and Orlando, Florida. Um, I am calling in because I finally got to listen to your Moving to Disney podcast, and they were great. I loved them. Um, and they inspired me to tell a little bit of my Moving to Disney story. Um, my parents both uh, decided that Disney was where we belonged. Orlando, Florida was where we belonged when I was 10 years old. And we moved from right outside of Chicago to Orlando uh, to Hunter's Creek. Uh, and my parents have lived there ever since. I go to Florida State University in Tallahassee now. But um, my parents decided that that was the best move for us. And I'm so, so, so grateful that they did. Um, they're both now cast members. And it's just been an incredible experience for me. It was great to hear your kids talk about it because I was their age when um, when my parents – about their age that they are now when my parents decided to move. And it was it, – it's so fun to hear their perspective. Um, growing up right by Disney um, is, is just really, 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 really beneficial because um, you're able to take all of the stories and all of the characters and all of the morals um, of Disney and of the happiness that Disney can provide and bring it to you your life. And um, I remember going to Disney on the weekends with my friends, as uh, as Marion was talking about. Um, and it's just, it was a great, it was a great way to grow up. Um, and so if anybody is nervous of whether or not it's a good move for them, I would highly suggest doing it as long as you feel like it's the right move for you. Um, because um, it's, it's the best place on earth. And why not be close to it? Um, keep up the good work. I love listening to your podcast. Also, just listen to your listener email one. Those are always my favorite with Becky. I love her. She's great. So keep up the good work. Thanks for all you do, Lou. You make our days brighter. Have a good day. Hi, Lou. My name's Heather Ewer. I am a band teacher from Denver, Colorado, and I've been listening to your podcast for the last three years, and I super love it because my whole family, we're just like definitely Disney people, and we've been plenty of times, even though we're from Denver, we've actually been an absurd amount of times, but we can talk about that later. Um, we're actually coming as a full family in this Christmas, so I'm super excited. I hope to meet you at a meet of the month, either early January or late December, but the reason why I'm calling is because I just listened to your Disney Institute episode, and it took me back because back in 2000, my twin brother and I were 10 years old, and we got to participate in two classes one day. Um, we did a whole day of classes, so we did a class called the Swamp Stomp, and that class actually, um, our bus car thing broke down, and so we got to spend some extra time in the swamp before someone came and saved us. And then we got to do Broadway Bound, which was my favorite, um, and that was back when they had the Hunchback of Notre Dame show going on at Hollywood Studios. So that was super epic, super awesome, and just wonderful music, and we had a blast. So I thought you'd appreciate two kids who back in 2000 had a great time with the Disney Institute. And thank you so much for doing the Wayback Machine because I really enjoyed learning about the Institute things I had no clue. I hope you have a magical day and thanks for your time. Bye, Lou. Thanks, friend. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, PA. I'm listening to episode 204. That's where I'm at going backwards. And it's your review with Scott Whalen, Jeff Whalen and Scott Otis. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, Blue Zoo and your server, Joe. And I am starving. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. I didn't eat lunch, so I made the stupid of mistake of listening to one of your food reviews, which now my mouth is watering. I need to go to Blue Zoo. 
I hope it's still there. I hope Joe still works there because I love his Northeast accent. I'm not sure where he hails from. I don't know if it's New York or Boston, but uh, that accent, I love it. I love the way you guys are describing the food, and I'm going to go back and listen to the rest now. It's a Friday afternoon, and I left work early today, and here I am listening to your review of the Luzu. So... I'm going to put that on my list of places to go when I go back to Disney. Have a great weekend, everyone. Make somebody smile. Take care, and I'll see you in the box. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, PA, and I think I just need to have a little correction on my last phone call. I think I called Mr. Whalen Jeff when his name is Glenn. So I'm sorry about that. I think that's what I said. Anyway, I'm finishing listening to your Blue Zoo review, and boy, it's so amazing. I'm to the part where you're almost getting your entrees, but so far it's been pretty awesome. But I'm heading out to work for the day, and I'll listen to you on the way. Have a great one, everybody. Make somebody smile. Bye-bye. Hello, Lou Mangiello. It's Darlene Yankee from West Seneca, New York, and I'm calling in to say that there are 345 days until the Japan trip. That Disney adventure will be so amazing. I know that you guys have done the things before with those groups, and I know how much fun you've had in the past. Hi, Lou. This is Peggy Teal from Rochester, New York. I'm calling in to let you know what I love about Main Street USA. I love everything about Main Street, but what I love the most is just how happy I am when I'm there. I love that I feel as if I'm visiting a quaint town where life was simpler, more peaceful. I love the sounds of the horseshoes when they walk down the street. I love the smiles that I see when I walk in on the guests and the cast members. I also love the memories that I have of meeting the mayor a few years back and when Jasmine and Aladdin walked along with my family down Main Street at park opening one year and telling my girls to make sure they stopped over to see them in Adventureland. This was a great top ten. Thanks, Lou. 